Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Listeners should please be aware that there will be spoilers for Gleipnir, so they may want to watch the series first before listening to the episode. Finally, the opinions expressed belong to those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Previously on Dub Talk. No, it, it, if it I makes like... you feel any better, I'll, in... um, I'll invite you on my birthday episode yet again and you can just shit on me the entire time. You know very well I will not do no such thing. Amon, <laughs> you are the most wholesomely nice person I have ever met. Yeah, yeah, say that after we do the Gleepnir episode, Andrew. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Amon? I will do the Gleepnir episode for you. Hooray, I get to force my friends to watch weird fetish porn. Yay! Amon, Amon, I mean this in full sincerity. I would watch weird fetish porn with you. That is how much of a cool guy you are. I would absolutely do that for you. You're all, you're all very Hell yeah, fetish for I'm on, f- for your birthday, I want you to know everybody here at Dub Talk loves you and appreciates you enough to watch weird fetish porn for you. You're very I'm sweet. On, did we just make a blood pack to watch weird fetish porn together? Hell yeah, yes. let's all watch Sallow. Hell yeah! No. No. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but no. <laughs> fetish porn, blood pack, fetish porn, blood pack. And now... Thrilling conclusion. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Dub Talk, where a bunch of nerds talk about anime dubs. Or, in this case, one friend drags three other friends into something gross and horrifying. Uh, it's the consider it the audio column to making them drink just a really bad soda, and then you make your friends drink really bad soda because spread the pain around, why don't you? I am Amon, and joining me tonight are my good associates who suffer valiantly. Andrew? Just as an FYI, if the girl is doing doggy style to you, that's actually just pegging. Megan? Got my finest gimp suit? I guess you could say that I'm here for the Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) And Noah? You know, it's, uh, it's really not appropriate to pet the puppy. But if you ask permission and he says it's okay, go ahead and go for it. Yes. Boy, you're and also check to see if there's no red rocket. Red rocket? You know I complain, but given the show recovering, nah, nah, that makes nah, that checks out. That's appropriate. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. What are, what are we covering? <laughs> See, there are gears in the head. I'm on an editing. I need you to just put a countdown timer (laughs) (laughs) until Noah realizes it in the corner. Yeah, Yeah, we could do that. Oh, fuck. Fuck me. I was going to try to keep it clean for this episode. No, this show isn't. Why? Because no one's expecting it. No one expects the wholesome podcast about stepping into a flesh suit and aliens with um you know mind a, f- bending a, f- a flesh mecca no one no one suspects the clean episode talking about that i have been so, so excited to talk about this show that i kind of pissed myself <laughs> oh god man okay to, so to... <laughs> you know sometimes there are episodes where we just set the tone early on this one we're just doing it right away <laughs> pretty much would you say that you and me baby Ain't nothing but mammals. 
So let's so do let's it like, do it like we do it on the Discovery, on the Discovery Channel. Channel. Now, you, now, can you sing the whole song is the question. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Sweat. I can't do it all right now because I'm laughing too hard. Well, well, listeners, if you're off put by any of this, just turn the episode off. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> it's gonna uh, get also, if you clicked on this knowing what the show is and you're upset, that's your fault. I don't care. You did this to yourself. Th- there's going to be at least one person clicking on this who was like, who's like a, a student at a university of like Norse mythology. They have no idea what they're getting into. God damn it, oh, anime the, strikes again. More Yet more academics have to complain about how their Google search results are chock full of weird anime women and not the <laughs> thing they're actually looking for. Anime, the bane of history departments the world over. How, hey, just... uh, professor, I just looked up a stolfo of Charlemagne. Why am I getting all these monster energy pics? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, son. And you either don't want to know, or you'll find out on your own anyways. Hey, boss, I know we're... What are we covering tonight? <laughs> It'll be thicker than Lily's arm, that's all I'm gonna say. But what are we covering tonight? Why, we're covering Gleipnir. Fetish, poured, hit. blood, pack. Fetish, poured, blood, pack. Fetish, poured, blood, pack. Fetish, poured, blood, pack. Fetish, poured, blood, pack. Yeah, we're doing it! Fetish, poured, blood, pack. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> That's right, folks, we made good on our promise, and here we are, slightly delayed due to circumstances. Damn human malware. But we're here nonetheless. Uh, it's true, and I hate it. Uh, what is, what is Gleipnir? Is that a word? Yes, it's a Norse mythology thing. Uh, you can look it up yourself. I don't remember what it is. Gleipnir well, is a show. Amon, may I say what Gleipnir is a show about? Why, go ahead, Megan. It's about men getting pegged! You're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. let us also read the description on Wikipedia so you can get a sense of... No, I'm sorry. Funimation's website. Thank you, Funimation's website. So we can get a sense of what we're talking about. Shuichi Kaguya is an ordinary student until he learns he can transform into a monstrous dog with a revolver and a zipper down his back. Unsure where his powers come from and whom to trust, he risks it all to save a beautiful classmate named Claire. This was a poor decision on his part, but we'll get to that later. He learns he's not the only one with a secret. He, wa- he wants to use his monster's powers... No matter how brutal the violence or bloody the action. Uh, so yeah, do you like artsy trash? Yes. Well, I, I, I have a show for you. Do you do you do you buy a lot of things that Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow put out? We have a show for you. Are you uh, here because you got really, really tired and started talking about an old Stephen Foster dub and decided to willingly watch the show, even though ninety nine percent of the time you would be off put by this show? Then do I have a show for you? Are you are you a big fan of animation studios who fell off the map years ago and are just really happy to see them return into the limelight? Then we have a show for you. Congratulations, Mint Jam. You're back. Pine Jam. Sorry, Pine Jam. Mint Jam. Pine Jam. It's Pine Jam. It is Pine Jam. Look, look. I remember it was jam and a plant you usually don't make into jam. (laughs) Anyways, Leander. You, well, it was legit. A... You want you want to talk about like a literal like glow up? This studio almost died because just because his production was a literal nightmare, and they basically didn't do any full anime produ- projects for an entire year until Gletnir happened. And then Big Daddy Funimation came in with their money sacks and said, "One fetish form that is not actually hentai, please." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, daddy. So it's just some, somewhere there's just a bunch of corporate guys going over for the, the manga, and they're like, so how, how close to that line can we sneak? As, well, as long as there's no there, what, as long as there's no we... hyena girls penetrating. <laughs> as long as there are no fire girls who you grill on their boobs, I think we're clear. You may in fact allow uh, a cat-eared girl being inside of a digestive uh, suit monster that is completely nude, where her itty bitty bits are being covered up by his digestive saliva thingies. <laughs> it's mucus, Andrew. Uh, whatever it is, it looked gross. Does it make I it know, any I know better? That doesn't make it better. That's what I'm sticking with. I know. Well, the show had, well, the show had to do that because you know her hair's not long enough to cover up the naughty bits like all the other female characters. So it, it was either that or get kicked off. The I air. literally looked away from the screen at one point to like check some fan fiction, and then I just saw that there were two Claire's, and I was like, why is one of the Claire's naked? <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, again, I'm question. the person who's like. Herp derp Aphrodite, fro big giant Aphrodite titty lady from Hades is hot. Please step on me. I feel like <laughs> everybody would fuck at least somebody from Hades. I mean, I'd fuck at least three people from Hades, so... Fair. Just as long as it's not Cerebus. Oh no, he's a good boy. We don't fuck the dog. Cerberus Except is such a cutie patootie. We have Cerberus in this show. What? Suichi. Okay. Anyway, Amon, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, this is this is this. It's good to get it out now. Fair enough. Okay. It's like it's like that MST3K bit where they have a trial that involves panties, and Doctor Bobo's like, "Let's just say it now and get all the giggles out of our system." Panties, <laughs> panties, panties. Just uh, the the scene of like a giant like the fur suit from hell holding like the teeniest tiniest panties. Uh, they, they were so small. Small panties. Smanties, as you would say. <laughs> uh, somebody anyway, would say that. Where, where so, were we? So, Gleipnir. There's, a, there's a boy. He turns into a mascot costume. There's a girl. She's dangerous. So, this is the darling in the Franks we wish we had. Yeah, pretty much. It, that is. Now, Megan. I, I, Megan, I have you know, to ask I you a question. I don't, I don't think the timing works, but I really want to think that the guy who wrote this saw part darling the Franks and thought, "What is this horseshit?" Uh, it was in <laughs> twenty fifteen. It was in 2015 the manga came out, so you're you're good. No. All right. Well, in that case, I hope I hope he saw it and thought, "What is this horseshit?" All I know is like I was watching like the one Jijik video that I like, which is Darling in the Franks in seven minutes with my friend, my 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 same friends who I watched Lupin with. Mm -hmm. I was talking to them beforehand, and my friend Emmy looks at their their little like uniform scarves and goes. Man, they really are trying to drive home the whole gender thing. The girls look like they're wearing Ys, and the boys look like they're wearing Xs. Or whatever way the chromosomes go. Well, technically, the girls a... have two X chromosomes. Thank you. Mm. I, I, I can biology good. It's not, like... a, it's, not a, it's not a subtle show, is it? I'd like to thank no. this comic strip for helping me remember no, that. No, it is not. It is about as subtle as motherfucking Zack Snyder. He put a literal crown of thrones on Jared Leto. Fuck off! Is it said this show's probably more subtle than Darling in the Franks? Yes! Actually! Uh, I'm on. sorry. Let's be real. Darling in the Franks is about as subtle as a screeching peacock. Wow. Anyways, we have a show to discuss, don't we? Yes, yes. we do. 
Alright, so you've gotten the idea. There, It's it's weird and it's raunchy and it's violent. And uh, it it is... It, it falls in that weird category of anime designed to make uh, typical, like, straight male anime nerds uncomfortable. <laughs> on a very visceral level. Why why does Claire not let Shinichi put PP in, in her in her lady hole? <laughs> I don't think hers I think, is I that... I think spending okay. two minutes around Claire will answer that question. Okay, the answer to that is hers is not as big as his. So she's Are a you sure, though? There's, anyway, no, so way to, there's no way to steer this. Let's just please go on. Yeah. Hey, oh, look, oh, look, a segue. <laughs> hey, we have some ADR staff to discuss. Let's talk about them. So, uh, as our ADR staff for this fine uh, venture, uh, directing this, we have Amberly Connors. Uh, who also held some assistant directing work from Marissa Lenti and Damon Mills. And writing this show, we have Leah Clark. Uh, Amber, you would know for directing such shows as Actors Song Connection, Beat X, and Hells. Uh, both Marissa and Damon also helped her on Actors Song Connection, because that involved a lot of work. Uh, Marissa, also, you would know for directing such things as Nanbaka, and Damon Mills is... Ah, yeah, wait, this was announced today, wasn't it? He's directing uh, Supposed to Kid from the Last Dungeon, Boonies, Moved to Star Town? Yes. Is that him? Yes, yes, that was so him. congratulations, Damon. Uh, and Leah Clark, you know for writing such shows as Chio School Road, Kamisama Kiss, and Robbie Hachi. Uh, Megan, you I feel like I feel like you have a lot you want to say about this <laughs> this show. I'm still, like start... I'm still laughing at why my pee-pee no get big. <laughs> That's usually what I think of when like in like really, really like dumb, like horny weebs see a, a character design and they're like, oh it's too conservative. It's just like why my peep you know get big <laughs> the, the the classic meme to that is aw but I can't fap to this <laughs> can if let's be real you can fap to anything we, as long as you're not a coward and it's not illegal exactly that that motto can't fap to this that is the I have to add the, the and it's not illegal bit these days because there are people who will be well, illegal we at the dub talk podcast here if I say don't do illegal things Things. No, don't, Never. No, be, you you can be gay, but don't do the crime. Okay. You can do some crime, not all crime. Not not all crime. Don't don't do Just gay no crime. Don't do no pe- no no pedophilia, please. That, yep. Didn't even have to ask that, but yes, to, to the three of you out there who are like on the fence, please don't. Yeah. So let me talk about the, the direction in this. This was a really good dub. Like this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like. I knew it was going to be good because I've genuinely not liked something that Sound Cadence, like, I've never had a real huge issue with anything that Sound Cadence has put out. They're the studio that did the dubbing work for this. This wasn't done in-house at Funimation. Mm-hmm. And I like a lot of the casting. It got really creative. I remember when this cast first came out and we saw the people and it were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Those and, people and don't live is, in the same this state. This is a cast. Well, this is a cast that very much is what I think a lot of people have wanted for years with simuldubs where you can take advantage of people being all over and as much as the human malware has sucked ass like so much ass um it has really helped with getting people from other states in and I think that specifically Funimation produced dubs or Funimation funded dubs have taken this the best. I think that other studios are slacking 
compared to Sound Cadence, Kocha, and Funimation themselves. I know a lot of Funimation stuff like that's in-house does have a lot of regulars there, but you can look at things like um, Horimiya, like um, Dr. Stone, like Attack on Titan, Kuma Kuma uh, Kuma Hero. Bear. Kuma Kuma. Is Kuma 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 Bear in house? Yes, it is. Thank you. I forgot that Kuma 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 Bear was in house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skate the Infinity. Um, that these dubs have actually picked up a lot of outside of the state talent, and this is a dub that I think was one of the first that really helmed that initiative. And it works really well. I think a lot of all the actors are well cast. I think that there's a lot of really great director work in this. But goddammit, Leah Clark's script. <laughs> this show is hysterical and it's foul-mouthed. It wears its affections on its sleeve. This show is horny. Like, I will actually say, it's a lot less horny than I thought it was going to be. Like, I was like, this is it. Um, But when it's horny, it's horny. <laughs> and there are just some great fucking one-liners. Like, Claire's fuck off. Uh, my personal favorite drop of the entire show where a girl is floating in a pool and goes, you're such a fucking slut, Claire. <laughs> um, calm your tits, Sunichi. So there's just a lot of really fun dialogue. And Leah Clark is a director, is a writer that I think if she can go to an extreme sometimes and it doesn't always work, looking at you, nightmare sauce. Um, but when she is nailing it, like in this show, she's nailing it. And I've noticed that she's also kind of written a lot of Sound Cadence's other scripts. I believe she's also the writer for... Is she the writer also for Adachi and Chitamura? No. What the fuck else was she writing? Oh, she's Sleepy Princess. She's Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle, I think. Mm. Either way, uh, I really like this dub a lot. I By the time I was finished with this show, I was just like, one, I need more of the show. And two, I want to buy this. So the dub really helped with that. Because I remember I watched the sub and I was just like, okay, I'll wait for the dub. And then I watched the dub and I was like, okay, the show is great. And I'm glad that I finally sat and watched it. Excellent. Uh, Noah, you go next. I'm going to fully agree with Megan because um, on the the script writing portion of it. And I'm going to point out um, the first line where I knew it was a Leah Clark script before uh, looking at the cast list. It's a part where... um, uh, all right, his first episode, Shuichi is trying not to get a hard on, and so he whispers to himself, Grandma shaving, Grandma shaving, Grandma shaving. And it's like, oh, that saves everything. Like, that is a Leah Clark kind of line right there. Like, I guarantee that was not in the original script, not in the original Japanese. Because this show, uh, it has to be really loose with all of the um, uh, foul-mouthed teenagers in a kind of a high school of the dead sort of setting where, you know, anyone could die at any minute. But there is a story here, and there is, there is uh, like human condition uh beliefs in here like the writer of the show obviously had some very deep thoughts about friendship about companionship and we'll get into those when we get into those characters but i think leah's script held on to those pretty well she doesn't cheapen the emotional moment by jam packing them full of jokes and one-liners and when it gets to the more actiony moments and the sillier moments and the the, the Okay, you're right. It's not as horny as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, it, it probably the show had a graham cracker before it started recording, but it is still nice and sexy enough for the kind of content it's going for. It's a good 
uh, TV 14 kind of script. Um, I will dock one point, though. I know it's a classic movie, and I know that everybody was probably expecting it, but you cannot throw in a, a damn dirty ape into the script just because one of the characters looks like a monkey. You, you just can't do that, Leah. I'm sorry. Why? Why not, actually? <laughs> Why not? It's too It's too obvious. It, it's, you know, it's... I'm sorry, it's uh, it's just a little too rot. It's uh, It would be like if we jam-packed this script full of uh, references to other popular memes that everybody knows of. But other than that... No, no. I'm sorry, what? That's no, not I, a meme, that's a classic movie line. No, no, I'm going to disagree with you because if the Planet of the Apes prequels can get away with doing that, I think Leifner's okay. But those were good movies. Oh, this is a good show too, but... <laughs> wow! Oh, so you do agree! Gotcha, bitch! Almost showed your entire ass on recording. <laughs> Checkmate, a monkeyist. <laughs> Ouch! Isn't that isn't that like anti-evolutionist in that case? Absolutely, I, I am I am pro. Uh, there's no word for that. Evolutionist? Is that the word? No, we just call those people idiots. That's just called that's just called common sense. Anyways, uh, yep. <laughs> we're not gonna make fun of Scientologists here. But I am going to Why not? Uh, not with that attitude. Because <laughs> because we don't have enough hours for that. But the people here want me to talk about Amberly Connors and how were the characters actually directed. And here's the other thing about this show is that uh, by episode two, I was under the impression that this was going to be a kind of a villain of the week episode because we introduced our characters at the beginning. We get the first bad guy they go up against in episode two who. Uh, does not last more than that episode, and so yeah, I was actually surprised that she gets killed. I it was too. I was like, oh, she like, she's got some sympathy, some backstory. Maybe she'll be like a recurring villain, and it's like, nope. nope. <laughs> this is not no. This is not FMA, uh, Doctor Tucker. This is uh, FMA Brotherhood Tucker. He is not. She is not coming back in the future episodes. So, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, where were wise, you going with this? <laughs> the point I was going with this was um. Uh, the actors who do come in, um, I, I feel like we were all kind of expected to fear that any character who comes in after that point could die at any minute. So it was kind of hard to uh, connect with any characters because you're worried that if you get invested in this character, let's see, if you get invested in the guy with the sword hands or you get invested in the, uh, the guy who turns into a two-headed titan beast, they could die at any minute. And so I kind of expected that maybe not all the characters would be directed as well because they wouldn't be around for as long. But there really weren't any uh, roles or any performances that sounded phoned in. Everyone gave it their all. They were distinct enough from each other to match the personality types that they had. And everybody got in at least one good, uh, like, <laughs> one memorable line from Leah's script as well. And well directed by um, our ADR staff of Amber, Marissa, and Damon. So... To that, I say, excellent job. I I have a lot of things to say about the visual aspect of this show, but as far as like the technical aspects of the dub, this is a good uh, good example of how to handle a um, from home dub. I'm not sure if we've got a term for what this era of dubbing is called right now. Remote but it's recording. I'd say remote recording go. is probably the best way to really surmise it. That's a good word for it. Okay, so this was a this was an A tier remote recording. Uh, I, I suppose uh, Andrew here is going to be the dissenter of the group who doesn't uh, agree with everything, right? 
Uh, let's see. Uh, I hate this show. It's terrible. This dub is... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't yep. even joke. I can't even joke. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And no. puppy, puppies need to be thrown off of bridges. And oh. uh, Okay, that's a little too far. No. No. I'm you, sorry. The thing you, that popped in my head was actually that uh, uh, Yumi, Yuma, Yuma Kuriarashi, where uh, the sister continuously throws her brother in a box off a cliff. Okay, Yuri. Okay, Yuri. Okay, lead with Yuri Kuma then. Don't. Don't. Ah, uh, whatever. Anyways, um, I I do get that reference though, and I appreciate it. Yuri Kuma is one of those very man. More people need to talk about that. It's a. It, it was the show. It was the Ikuhara thing before Zar and Zomna. It's definitely worth your, your time. Anyways, Glipnir. Man, okay, so I'll say this. A lot of a lot of points I've made about, like, the strives and benefits that, like, Sound Cadence has really been taking regarding, like, expanding their cast from all over in regards to the remote recording dub era I've said in a, another episode. I will just say I will kind of counteract with what... Not counteract. I will agree pretty much with everything Megan said about Funimation and Sound Cadence especially really taking advantage of the remote recording benefits and i think this is a dub where that really shows itself really strongly the cast and crew of this is really interesting i think they are all directed spectacularly they all give really convincing performances they need to sound very good dramatic they need to sound really funny and quirky they need to sound cheesy they need to sound goddamn brooding edgy like i think there was a character that showed up for maybe like exactly like a minute and a half they said a couple of lines. I laughed my ass off. I'm like, okay, that's the exact level of edge this needs. <laughs> um, but I will say that without a doubt, the script of this really makes this very pulpy, fun, and hilarious. While also making it really entertaining. It's like a good level of schlock and cheese. It needs to be serious and legit when it needs to be. But it also knows when it needs to have some levity and just fucking have some fun and i think leah's script in particular has really just benefited really benefited this dub quite a lot especially in regards to my to be the moment i knew i think this dub was worth watching let's do it doggy style now yes that was the moment i was like okay all righty you got me What's that? You fucking got me. Oh, I, oh, another or what I liked. Uh, their symbol screams edgelords was another one I thought was very fun. And yes. <laughs> also, a thing I admire. Not every dub can or should use the fuck bomb. Not every show yes. would benefit, nor do I think any show that is like PG-13 deserves or needs f-bombs there are some shows and some dubs where it's like there should be people saying fuck right now but haven't sometimes there are shows that really know how to use the fuck bomb at the exact right time i would say good examples of this are both it invaded and blood blockade battlefront and beyond where they had exactly like one maybe two fucks but they dropped them at the exact perfect moment where it's like oh damn my favorite that has my bbb and beyond has my favorite fuck moment and that's just tatum yelling it oh it's so good and uh yeah it's i love because it's just josh saying the fuck word it's good anyways glimpneer drops the fuck bomb a lot and i think it really benefits from the fuck bomb 
a lot. It's it. This feels like a show where people would just be saying fuck a lot, and they drop it just enough where it feels fitting, but not enough to the point I think it loses its luster. It's like they had a they had a finite amount of fucks in their magazine clip, and they shot them just the right amount of times without needing to reload. They did not run out of fucks to give. They did not. <laughs> Leah Clark did not run out of fucks to give. And that is my thoughts on the Glepnir dub. It is great. Amber, Marissa, Damon, and Leah did a phenomenal job, and I was very entertained. Schmaltzy cheese. I'm glad that you used that, that word to describe it. That's a very, uh... Like, it doesn't sound complimentary in some cases, but for a show like this, it feels like it's appropriate. Schmaltzy? Anyways, um... Yeah, I'm in total agreement. This show's great. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy this show. It's a lot. Uh, I have a lot of fun, and I think this is a really well-done dub for it. I think, like, the performance is really solid. I think the direction's really well done. I think Leah has a very good understanding on the material and, you know, when to load up on the F-bombs and the profanity and the slang and also when to, like, pull back on it. Uh, you know, this is the kind of show that can have all that it has and also have the flashback episode, which is, like, totally, like, in the complete opposite direction, and it's still good. Uh, yeah, I can't name a good favorite one-liner. There's too many. Oh, here, let me go to the um, list here. Let's see. Um, wasn't swinging by for tea, as opposed to half a Sunday. You're into puppy play, grade A babs, and of course, you are all good and fucked. Yes. <laughs> um, monkey. What else? Uh, oh, and and. Off of something you said, Megan, um, the show isn't as horny as it seems, and I think that, I don't know if this is a distinction that's going to make sense to anyone other than me, but I think that's, the show's not horny, it's fetishy. Yes! Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, yeah and I, I don't know how much sense that makes to you people in the audience, but I think that's kind of the distinction here. That's what it's going for, and that's why it is the way it is. And, like, even fetishy, like, it's not, like, uncommon fetishes these days, like... <laughs> Unfortunately... I mean, no, not unfortunately. My thing is, if as long as your kink is negotiated and that you are sharing it with people who consent to it, go right ahead. We, we are not here to judge, is what you're trying to say. Only God can kink shame you. And even then, <laughs> you know, he made the kink, so I don't know if he gets to judge too much. <sighs> Listen, man, sometimes you just want to see some monster fucking. <laughs> so sometimes you just want to see some great legs on a monster girl sometimes sometimes eight of them um anyway <laughs> yes by the way megan since i got you on the call here um do you know who uh was the japanese director for the show just out of curiosity i don't and i'm afraid to ask okay all right it, it's not a name you're gonna recognize it's uh directed by a gentleman named kazuhiro yoneda the reason I bring it up is because uh, going through his credits, he he's done our stuff for uh, Pine Jam before. But one show that surprised me that he was the director on, Yona of the Dawn. You know what? After the honey scene, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't make that connection. Oh. All right. Uh, 
Let's talk about some characters, shall we? Yes. This has right. this are, has a lot are... more characters than I expected it to. It's got a it's got an ensemble. Yep. Uh, so first up, we have one friend and a bunch of really awful people who want to murder our leads. Which uh, one are friends off. if not people who just want to murder you? Enemies. Those are enemies, Andrew. I mean, in a death battle anime, which this show kind of sort of is, those are kind of interchangeable. I saw someone online describe this as a death battle anime where no one understands what the rules really are, no one knows what's going on. You know! That feels kind of accurate. That's pretty accurate, because even watching this, it's like, what the fuck do the coins do? What the fuck is the alien doing? They grant wishes. I mean... Uh. <laughs> sure? <coughs> what is a hundred... Why a hundred coins? Here's my thing. Here's, here's my thing. I hate death battle animes. I hate death game animes. I think they are by far some of the dumbest, least developed, edgy bullshit schlockfests. And they are cheap, and they usually tend to not have very good dubs. Or they, they have good dubs, but they are not like giving their all. They're they're not they're, even they don't have the they don't have enough rope to work with. Okay, it's it's not have... that they're it's not that the dubs are bad, it's that they are not given enough good to make good with. <laughs> to work, yes. Unless they actually take time to develop their characters and give them compelling reasons of why in the fuck they are there in the first place. That is why Fate Zero to me is the best death battle anime. Because it literally takes so much time to sit and be slow as goddamn shit and meander... Until you get to the end, and by the end of it, you are an emotionally distilled- You are a husk of yourself going, Okay, Urobruchi, next shot as you line up the needle full of the UBW cocaine. Um. <clears throat> this works to me because this series took its time to give Claire and Shuichi- decent enough characters and to make Suichi's character be tied to the goddamn death battle itself of why the hell we need the three co the hundred coins. <laughs> it also has In this essay I will <laughs> It Thank also has the, has the benefit of, of doing the thing that most death battle anime I don't feel do well is that they don't give you all the answers up front because they actually a lot of death battle anime I've seen, like I've seen um uh, okay, what am I thinking of? Um, Future Diary. Love to, like, forward head you with all the information, like, who are the characters, Who? why are they doing this, what's the prize? But this I show trusts the audience to actually uh, pick up the subtle clues and understand that by the first three episodes, you're not going to know why anything's happening. But if you hold on to your puppy pal, we will get you there in the end. You just got to stick with us a little longer. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but characters... First up, we have Nana Mifune. Uh, Nana is a classmate of Shuichi and Claire's. She's a very nice lady. She's very smart. She's going to go to a nice college on a scholarship. She has really big eyebrows. She's a sweetheart. She has a little bit of a crutch on Suichi, which he... Which she seems to get a lot she... of those, oh, actually. She's batting, she's batting, like, she's, like, third down the wrong. Fourth I know. down. I'm sorry, fourth down the wrong. 
she she, she, but she it's okay because she does get she'll she'll get her own OVA in you know one of the the fan approved spinoffs. Like, poor Nana, bless her heart. For the best, it's probably for the best that she's not even like a bench oh, I, warmer I, for him. I, I I feel like I feel like I feel like Shuichi does definitely like her back, but as the story goes on, is like, yeah, no, nothing good's gonna happen to her. She shacks up with me. I should just I should just nip this in the bud. Now. She's probably the best off Go. because she's not in this plot. Go to college, have a normal life. Get, <laughs> get the hell out of this town, you child. Get your bachelor's innocent. degree. Get on with a get get a decent Japanese exactly. career. Anyways, uh, she's the nice person. The rest of these people are mostly awful. Uh, first up, we have Hikawa. Uh, Hikawa is another high school student. Uh, she got one of these coins and made a wish to be better at running. Uh, and she gets better at running by getting bird legs. And she's not really happy about this because it, it's kind of hard to like run in school activities when you spontaneously grow bird legs. So, that's why she's she's keeps getting involved in this. Uh, we have Madoka. Uh, he is a, he's this fish-eyed looking weirdo you see on the screen. He is uh, part of a gang of basically just colossal losers who have all found these coins and have all banded together in their loserdom because now they have power and agency for the first time in their lives. Monkey! Uh, He's, he's kind of he's kind of awful, but his his boys are all very loyal to him because he cares about them. He's uh, awful, but he's got he's got he's awful, but he's like the worst best boss of all time. Basically, mm-hmm. I would say the no the worst boss would have let that one guy out to die. That's what that's like he he is terrible, but he's a good boss. He's loyal. He's just a terrible. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we also have a couple. We got a couple of his dudes here, uh, Taguchi and Morita. Uh, Taguchi can like sense where people are, and he wears this um, big handband on his head. And he's a racer head. <laughs> then he gets glocked. Yeah, no, he, he he doesn't come to a very good end, unfortunately. Uh, and Morita turns into this big uh, gross centipede dude, and uh, he's he's the front line of attack. He also doesn't have a very. No one has a good end in this story. I'm just gonna let Glock. you up front now. No, they don't. I'm trying oh, to wait, think. Oh, wait, no. He gets, uh, he gets uh, punched in the face. He gets one punched. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we have Subaru, uh, who's a small child that uh, Elena, who we're going to talk about later, has carrying around. Uh, he can basically summon up this horrifying two-headed monster he calls Mom oh, and Dad. Big and, honking uh, titties. And and uh, the big monster just squishes people who try to fight him. It goes exactly Playing as well these. as you think. Yeah, pretty much. Playing these characters... Nana is played by Xanthi Hyun. Uh, Hikawa is played by Don and Bennett. Madoka is played by David Wald. Uh, Taguchi is played by River Kanoff. Marita is played by Jason Marnoka. And Subaru is played by Susie Young. Xanthi, uh, you know for such roles as Menma in Anohana, the flowers we saw that day, and Momo Ko- Ka- Kawamoto in March Comes in Like a Lion. She's also the Dawn platelets. That's true, she is. Uh, Don, you know for such roles as Emperor and Kimono Friends and Setsuna Takoge in My Hero Academia. David, you know for such roles as Murasaki in Drifters and the Narrator in Mr. Tonegawa. And Lieutenant uh, fucking Verte... Sarumi in Golden Cowboy. Yeah, that too. Calm that down. Too. Uh, River Kanoff has mostly done a lot of vo- video game roles that I have not seen, but he has been in one anime. Uh, he's in Lupin the First playing Adolf Hitler. <laughs> because who doesn't want that on their resume, yes, you know? you do. Uh, Jason Marnoka, you know for such roles as Gansuke, Nanbu, and Meglo, uh, Meglobox, and Headmaster Helvish in Hells. And Susie Young, you know for playing uh, Naoko Osato in Thus Spoke uh, Kishibe Rohan, and Yuri Hanjo in High Rise Invasion, both of which you can watch on Netflix now. 
Bugle Pug, I guess. <laughs> uh, Megan, do you want to go first again? Sure, I'll go first. I'll start with Xanthi. She's adorable as Nana. Nana is the only normal human being in this <laughs> entire show. She's just a good, smart girl who's going to go to college and have a normal life and never see her friends again, which is for the better. <laughs> Seeing as she basically lives in, in the city of Fuyuki and eventually Fuyuki's going to burn. Um, shout out to all my fate heads. I got um, that joke. I got that reference. He, I, got, I got that it was a joke. Hiwakawa. Don Bennett was awesome as the angry growly girl. She says fuck. Uh, she says shithead. It was great. Then she got... I like her monstral side. I like the fact that she got some good death screams. Um, too bad she got... <laughs> and died. Uh, River Viate, who I am only familiar with because I've seen that movie. Um, Taguchi sounded like a good thug guy. He wasn't, like, stereotypical, but he was also kind of compelling in his one moment. Uh, I like how he's literally, like, going, you, who the hell talks on the phone while they're gonna kill somebody? <laughs> As he's trying to get his sword before Suichi just pops a cap in his ass. I mean, he it is defense. It is defense. If you're gonna commit, at least put your phone away. Yeah. Just... And if you're- if you're... Ain't, nobody, ain't, ain't nobody gonna win their GTA speedrun on the phone. Um... Susie Young as Subaru. Uh, I genuinely did not know that was Susie Young. I was super surprised. I've never heard her do a boy voice. I'm used to her playing female characters. I actually thought that that was um, Emmy Lowe for a minute. Because it sounded a little bit like Hototo from uh, uh, Hototo from Apare Ranman, which I doubt Noah's watched, but he should. God, uh, you should. Uh, but I really liked it. I kind of wish this character would have showed up more with his giant uh, my thing is this, why is he naked while doing it? Like, why you gotta be naked while you're between I mean, dad and your mom with her you Hulk? Know, and it might be it, it might be a Hulk thing, you know? When Hulk goes <laughs> goes Super Saiyan, what happens to the shirt? Did you just say Hulk goes Super Saiyan? He hulks out, you fucking pleb. Whatever. Uh, and first, second of all, he heaps his pants. Exactly. Um, he was... What? Subaru was buck naked in the woods fighting a furry. Two furries, actually. I mean, um, look, if you want to go to Thursday, some, right there. If you want to go to some visual symbolism about his power, he's basically kind of like maybe in, in like womb. the demon womb. With his mom and her huge honking titters. Titters. <laughs> sure. Mama's huge titters. And Four score and seven titters ago. And the giant gorilla hands on this demon stand. Okay, like some of, some of them transform into furries and some of them have stands. And then one guy's just a fucking camera. <laughs> he, he definitely uh, Yes, we know look, who lost the... Look, it's like losing, the, it's like losing the cork lottery in My Hero. Sometimes it's exactly guys, like... Man. Oh my god, it is... Holy shit, it is exactly like the Quirk Lottery in My Hero. Fuck. It's that kid It's that kid in episode one who is Quirk is literally just pulling his eyes out of his socket. It's like, is that ever gonna help anyone? I hope he's That's got fun. a good job, security. <laughs> I bet you that kid's a Nomu now. Um, Ooh, probably. 
And then, uh, oh man, let me talk about one of my favorite performances in the show. It's Jason Mardoka as the slimy-ass fucking centipede. James and the Giants, get the fuck out of here, the audacity of this bitch. He has, like, this weird... Did anybody else get, like, weird southern slimy uncle who probably talks about how you've grown into your bra oh. from him? You're not wrong. It's like, Jason Marnoka is a man of many talents. And that talent today was turning a, a centipede into more than things that make Tokyo Ghoul fans cry. Uh, just, just keeping a head in a bag and being slimy. And it was such a funny performance to me. Like, I was rolling. Like, I know I was supposed to be threatened, but the performance was actually really humorous to me. And I loved it. It is probably my frontrunner for Golden Ham Award, because it is just, hmm. <laughs> but let's talk about the monkey. Monkey. Da monkey. Mm, monkey. David Wald is Monkey Man Madoka. Uh, he is really, like, awful, and, like, this is the David Walds that I know, like, before he's everybody's, like, scary skating Dio. Or your, Please watch Skate the Infinity. Or, or your super funny riff tracks, the show uh, yeah. narrator. <laughs> Sometimes he's creepy villain, creepy villain old men who are up in the woods and, you know, burning down an entire village, an entire town, because you might have a vampire infestation. Um, <laughs> you gotta deal with that. Just gotta, just yeah, gotta deal with that. If you like grow. I find it really funny that this guy dies, actually, in a giant fire set on a hillside with poisonous plants involved. Um, just... Yeah. Uh, David Wald's a lot of fun. Uh, he's not only, like, oddly charismatic, but also completely threatening. Like, the scene where he's talking to Claire about making them kill one of their friends. Like, you would totally shit your pants if that was happening to you in real life. Unless you're Claire. Um, just, I thought him working off of Claire's actor in that moment was fantastic. He was, he was great. Like, this is, like, old school. To me, this reminded me a lot of, like, old school David Wall playing villains kind of thing. But not in the way, like, Lieutenant Surumi does. Because I think Lieutenant Surumi is a little more unhinged with the, oh, no, all the cannibalism and shit. Uh, um, and the brain damage. And the brain damage. Damage. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no. Really great job from everybody. It's really hard to shit your pants when you don't wear pants. <laughs> Monkey don't shit pants. Would you like to go, Noah? Um, let's see. Uh, well, the, the hard thing about this dub is going to be, um, you know, everyone fits into where they were put at really well. Um, this isn't going to be like um, uh, Surrey Dory Children, where uh, you've got, like, one background character who you're like, ugh, who let them into the recording booth? No, everyone's pretty well cast in this. Um, my um, uh, standouts for me are actually going to be uh, Subaru, because um, that, uh, that whole... Um, dimes flip between um, you think he's like an unassuming like twink just walking around in the woods and all of a sudden he goes into honking double titan beast machine is really terrifying but he, he totally fits it uh, even before he hulks out so yeah Susie's uh, role on that uh, kind of made that character I think more memorable than he actually would be because he doesn't come back again after that it happens to a lot of the characters uh, same actually goes for Hikawa that was uh, one character who I'm like, I, I really hope this character keeps coming back. I, I wish they were like the, um, uh, oh god, what's uh, what's the guy with the X on his face from uh, Full Metal Alchemist? Scar. Scar, thank, 
Thank you. Uh, just like a character who like you think would like continuously come back uh, at random moments in the show, but uh, no, she doesn't. But that's okay because Dawn absolutely nails it with all of the like nobody the hell cares line shouting, the so much anger, the uh, Tybo kicks to the face. Like this is a character who is like so extra, and it's a shame that she didn't stick around much longer. Um, Xanthi Wynn, it's Nana. It's also very adorable. Um, I, I kind of have to question, though, why she was in the show, uh, because, um, I, I mean, this is a very utilitarian, uh, dub cast, with, meaning, like, everyone who shows up, I feel like, serves a fuller purpose. Even one character, who we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, she shows up in an early episode, and you're like, okay, and then you forget about her, but then she shows up again later, and you're like, oh, they planted her early on, clever bastards. But Nana doesn't really do that. She doesn't, uh, like, contribute to the whole coin-collecting debacle. I think she's just kind of supposed to be there to bring us back to a sense of normalcy, to make us feel even worse for all the good things that Suichi and everyone else is kind of lost because they are they can't escape this death game that they're in. That's okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? No, I agree. Well, no, it's okay, she, though. She, she, she's, she's the normal teen who doesn't get involved in all this, and... Serves as counterpoint to everyone else. Right. Um, so, and, Which is good. I mean, it was kind of nice to have uh, one normal human character in all of this. Um, so yeah, Xanthi did a good job in that. And this is, again, uh, a good example of, I feel, Sound Cadence's pulling talent from uh, across the country. Like, how many times are we going to hear a Funimation dub with Xanthi win in it? More I know than Megan's... you'd think. I don't remember which one you're talking about. I could name at least, like, two or three off the top of my head now. Now, now you see, you, that's you're probably right. And you are a smart man and a handsome man. I have not been keeping up with all the latest simuldubs, so I'm sorry. I don't know all of the ones that she's been in recently. But I need to look them up now. I can tell you later if you want. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to also uh, agree completely with what Megan said about Jason. I don't have anything to add on that. Um, I wouldn't have gone with um, creepy southern uncle who is impressed that you are starting to grow into your bra. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've all been there. That's just not the first thing that came to my mind. But you're, but it it fits for that character description. He died a brutal death. Like his jaw was unhinged, and they all turned on him. Like his whole posse, just like he's ugly. Let's just leave him here to die. That is that is harsh. I didn't want to feel bad for the centipede man, but I did. Damn you, show. Uh, uh, River as uh, Taguchi, he did a good job too. He, um, I, I mean, I like that. Um, now visuals wise, uh, that whole ragtag group of evil bad guys, most of them were just kind of, weren't animated. You'll you'll notice that most of them were just like black shadows with red eyes, and it's it's a cool metaphor, or not even a metaphor. It's a cool visual motif, but it's also very convenient because that means that you know we don't have to actually animate the characters. We don't have to um, stick to the model sheets for those characters. But this one guy did. He, you know, he had a body to go with it. But yeah, um, uh, Taguchi is totally fine for what he did. River did a good job. Um, I also have not heard him in anything yet. I've been told that I need to check out Lupin the Third to the First, and I'm sure that I will do that before the year is up. But of course, everyone here is going to want to talk about David Wald. Again, I know him better as the narrator in Mr. Tanagawa because that is where I think he shines the most. So it was kind of nice to hear him as a villainous character. And I know he's been villains in other things before. He's been 
a good ADR director, and he's been Wicked Bastards and other anime before. But in this one, here's the thing, is that he has a line that really stuck with me. Uh, Madoka had this line of, um, some of my favorite people in the world are idiots. And I gotta be honest, that kind of struck me, because, I mean, we're, we're all good friends here on this podcast, and we all have other friends as well. I'm sure some of us have friends who are not the brightest bulb in the crayon box, but we would still stick out for them. You know, we would still lay down our lights for them. We'd take a bullet for them. We would take a milkshake to the head for them. And that's really refreshing to hear in a bad guy is that, you know, he's got uh, respectability because he knows how bad yeah, it no, is. Yeah, no, we let Andrew still do this podcast. Oh, God, I was <laughs> waiting for it. I was fucking waiting for it. I knew it was coming. I knew somebody was going to immediately throw me under the bus as soon as you were tracking that fucking segue. I knew it was going to be somebody. Fuck you. I love you, if asshole. If it makes you feel better, I just cried about there being a dead lizard in my room, so... Oh, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, Shinya brought me a present, and it died in my room, and I thought it was like a piece of plastic. And Oof. then I realized it was a dead lizard and I made my mom pick it up. And she's like, damn, this thing is rock hard. So oh. it had been a dead, there's been a dead body in my in my room for a while. And now I'm a little upset. Damn, this dead lizard is rock hard. Anyways, back to Glepnird. Sorry. It's a little hard. It's going to be hard to move on from that. Um, let me just. The dead lizard or calling Andrew stupid? Both. Because, um. But I, I just feel like that, that goes against the whole lesson here. The, the lesson of, of uh, David Wald's character is uh, you know how bad it is to be uh, looked down upon, to be the loser of life, and you don't want that to, for any other people. And so even though uh, David has a really good, um, like, low, growly, angry, pointy-teeth kind of character voice to him, uh, you st I still feel empathy for him. And it's not that I wanted him to survive. I didn't want him to catch up to the rest of the crew in that whole fire situation there but i thought maybe there's something that other people could take away from this like it, it's good to be reminded that even when the chips are down you stick up for your friends i think that's something we could all remember speaking of my good best handsome sexy friend andrew how do you feel about this dub okay now i see i appreciate you but that felt like you were brown nosing just a tiny bit anyways Love you, buddy. And, and, and may, may, also say, may also say that you, you have a very nice car, and, and if you want to lend it to me, I would absolutely love to do that. All right. No, thank you. Anyways, so I love Xanthi. She is a adorable, precious bean. Nana is a good girl. She needs to get away from the plot. Sometimes there's like, man, sometimes there's characters where it's like, man, I wish they showed up and did more things in the plot. This is one of the few times where it's like, I see a character, I see every time they're in the show, and I'm like, God, you're so great. Stay the fuck away from the plot, sweetie. <laughs> Please. Please. Anyways, Anthony. Just go home and not towards the anime. Just go home, put some Spotify on, read a book, do your homework, watch some TV, maybe, like, do an embarrassing thing where you're trying to, like, lip-sync in the mirror to your favorite, like, J-pop songs. Like, just, just do you and ignore you telling, the Do you Are you telling Nana that you want her to be a TikTok star? Yes. You know what? Yes. <laughs> Nana Mifune, stay the fuck out of the plot of Glepnir and live your TikTok meme dreams. That's not hey. something you usually tell your precious cinnamon roll. 
Oh god, you're, you're sounding like a boomer every day, buddy. Ugh. Anyways. You know what? I'm, I'm back on Megan's side now when it comes to throwing you under the bus. Can we get that bus a little bigger, actually? <laughs> oh, fuck. I missed something. Anyways. Uh, anyways, Anthony was adorable. Uh, Dawn as Hikawa. I love Dawn when she gets to be these angry, raw, badass bitches. And God, Hikawa is such an angry, feral, raw, badass bitch. Like, I love when Dawn gets to do that, like, angry, feral, like, shonen scream shit. Like, I love when she goes, you know what? Just because this is Dawn, I love it when she gets to Hulk out as Femme Broly, a.k.a. Kale. It's so fucking good. I love how she gets so fucking violent, feral badass as kale oh, it's so good and i got a similar level of energy and anger from hikawa but with just a couple more fucks with a couple more fucks to give uh let's talk about uh uh monica i'm not gonna talk about monica yet i'm gonna talk about his squad uh river vatai uh this is my first time hearing his work he sounds he's got a pretty good voice he's got a pretty stern stoic voice I liked him as the blind samurai guy who's trying to avenge his squad and then gets fucking, like, gunned down in the most bitch way. Poor dude. Um, and yeah, Jason Marnocha is hamming it the fuck up as the creepy centipede guy. He does a great job. Holy shit, Susie Young. I could not believe that was Susie Young. Uh, you thought Emmy Lowe? I was thinking Morgan Berry. It's got a same level of, like, raps and growl. It was bugging the shit out of me. Steph had me guess before I remembered somebody I saw in the cast you wrote a while ago. I'm like, holy shit, is that Susie? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, no fucking way. This is impressive. By the way, I have my tiny lizard murderer in my arms right now. <laughs> Tell it, it was a, he did a good job. No. She, she did a good job. She did a good job. Sorry. Okay, anyway, Susie did a fantastic job as this deranged, psycho, fuck bomb attitude child. Um, she was great. I love David Wald as an actor. I love him as a director. I love him as a person. I met him once at a con. He was the sweetest person. Just wonderful guy. Uh, signed my school live copy and my, uh, my hero books. Just overall great dude. Uh, he was the ADR writer for school live in case you were curious. Like he wasn't in that show. It's like he was, he was one of the writers of that. But one of the most underappreciated typecasts for David Wald, I feel is deranged psycho villain man. I say this because Lieutenant Surumi is genuinely like one of my favorite David Wald performances. Especially some of the stuff he's gotten to do in season three. If you if you're watching season three, you know the exact episode I'm talking about. But yeah, fucking Ma Madoka is a really fun. Like I was expecting Madoka to be creepy, psycho, deranged Mad Max murder man who was probably a psycho, crazy fucker who was probably also a bit of a rapist. That's what I expected when Madoka showed up. I did not expect that he was going to be a deranged psycho murder madman who also loved his squad. He loved his squad of losers and literally instead of killing Marnocha's character, 
he pulls his teeth out to take his pain as part of his own and like literally tried to save his squad when they were burning because of the poison flowers. I'm like, that's interesting. That's actually really interesting. I'm not going to say it's like the most complex thing, but it is way more interesting and complicated than I expected from a character who had sharp teeth and I assumed was going to be a <laughs> rapist. And it made me feel for him. And I, you're right, I did empathize with his fucking plight, even though his squad was a bunch of murder madmen. But God, David Walsh sells it so much, and I was very entertained, and he did a great job playing Monica, and I'm done. Monkey man. Monkey. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, where to start? Uh, yeah, Xanthi's just very nice. Nana's a very nice lady. And I'm very happy she doesn't get involved in any of this because it would be terrible. Uh, she gets to go have a nice normal life. And some, she's probably be old and successful and wonder, it's like, she'll briefly wonder, I wonder what happened to the guy I had a crush on in high school. I hope he's doing okay. Uh, and there'll be either, mm, there'll probably be some little bitter irony to that sentiment, but we'll find out at some point later. Uh... Who else? Uh, I just, I just overall, like, I agree. I like a lot of these villainous characters. I think this show, as sort of upfront trashy as it is, I think it's also a lot more thoughtful than it lets on. Just even in the sense of like, oh, uh, why, why is Hikawa trying to kill people? Uh, because she feels basically she got a raw deal, and only by engaging in this game can she unget out of it. She, she went full uh, monkey's which, paw. Which, which is a lot of characters in this show. When you get down to it, it's like, yeah, I got a bad deal. You did I kind of regret it now. Yeah, You're I'm surprised none of them like took their coin and be like, "Can I just go back to how it was?" Yeah, I get. I what? then again, we wouldn't have much. Yeah, of a I thought, exactly. I kind of thought at the like for a while, I thought that that wasn't allowed. Like, I thought there was some stipulation that you know, when, once you make your your deal, uh, you can't go back to that. It was like genie logic. But no, we find yeah, out near the end that no, uh, the, you know, Suichi is given the offer to go back to the way he was before. Yeah, it's just there's a lot going on here. Some of it is season two stuff, and some of it's just that, like, no one knows the rules. We're all guessing here. <laughs> me sitting there, like, please give me see give, give the season two. I know, right? Basically, all um, of the rules are written by the alien as he goes along, and it's probably inspired by whatever, like, Japanese manga he's reading that week. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's like, uh, fucking, uh, it's like JoJo... But it's also Darwin's game, but it's also a little bit of fucking, uh, what else do I got here? Species reviewers. God, if it gets... Oh. I'm joking. I'm fucking joking. I, I considered, I paused and I considered it for a second. That's why I, I was like, God. you know... Anyways, yeah, Glepnir. See, Andrew, the problem is, I've read ahead in the manga, I know the answer to this, and it's much worse. Oh, boy. Yeah, I like, I like, I think, like, I think Don does a good job of, like, making Hikawa sound, like, really threatening, but also, like, someone who is kind of in over their head about this. I like, uh, I like a lot of, like, River's performance, especially towards the end, when you can tell that it's like, yeah, we're a bunch of, sh yeah, we're awful people, but we're together. We have loyalty and unity, and you took that away from us. Uh, Jason's just really good at being so gross. <laughs> He's so gross. Um, uh, I, I, I think I also like Susie's performance a little similar to Don's, where I think 
Susie did a good job of making Subaru feel like somebody who knows they have a lot of power, but is also still kind of just a like a flippant, immature jerk because they're clearly like you know fourteen or something like that. Um, and David's really good here. I think he does a really good job of being like really menacing and threatening, but you you still get that sense of that loyalty he has to everybody, where he is in fact willing to die to protect his friends. Uh, and I think I feel like that's a level of complication you don't see in a lot of shows like this, and I appreciate that it's there, and I appreciate that David's able to bring that out of the character. It's good stuff. Next. Uh, so... So it's flashback time, guys. Because hey. at about, about episode 10, I think? 10, 11? Uh, after, after, after multiple episodes of this horrifying death game occurring, we find out how it started. And it all started with a group of friends. One of whom we're going to cover later. Uh, Ellen, Ellen, we're going to cover later because she's a little more important. But uh, we have this group of friends. We have Naoto, Hanako, Aiko, Kaito. Uh, them and Eleanor and Shuichi are all friends. They all go to this sort of technical cram school. It's really just a place for their like parents to go have them hang out until they get home from work. Um, they're all buddies. And it ends up that uh, everything's going fine until one day they all meet back up again and they find out that one of them, uh, Hanako, has just disappeared apparently. Um, and this leads to a lot of unforeseen unfortunate complication so if i'm to describe let me let me just su summarize that the entire flashback say, say, say sequence, the thing andrew the entire flashback sequence can be described as murder mystery on ohana Andrew, I'm so mad at you right now. Yep. Yep. So to a. No, I'm not mad at you because you made because you made that connection. It's because you you said it before I could. So to 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 summarize. To summarize. Insert insert us to the comments. Why are you booing me? I'm right. This is like if the super peace busters really did bust some peace. So they bust some heads briefly, more like. Summarize briefly. Hanako goes missing. Kaito tries to find out why. Kaito eventually finds out that um, who is it? Uh, Aiko had met the alien and introduced her to her friends. And then at some point after this, Aiko kills herself. Hanako finds her body before anyone else. Goes to the alien and basically. Uh, through her wish, basically ends up now looks like Aiko, which is okay for her because Hanako's home like is hot garbage, and she always kind of was jealous of Aiko, and she basically says like Aiko is such a wonderful person, it would be legitimately sad if she were just to be gone from this world. Meanwhile, no one will miss me. She does this, except for yes, except she, someone will miss because her. it turns out Kaito in fact wants to know what's up. Kaito thinks that uh, what has happened is that Aiko has killed Hanako in some capacity. Uh, so he murders Aiko and makes it look like a suicide. And then only after this finds out, it's like, yeah, no, you murdered Hanako. This is shockingly... For no real reason. Like, for what has been a mostly trashy, kind of tame show? I think her name is Honoka, not Hanako. Oh, I think you're right. Uh, like, the entire flashback sequence about this group of characters... What? This show has been kind of like shame. this was hardcore. The darkest this show goes, 
And I feel like I'm going to mention when they first introduced Kaito in this show, I laughed my ass off because I'm like, this is literally the edgy. His design is so His dumb. design is so dumb. And the things he was saying were <laughs> hilariously edgy on a level of like, this isn't even trying to be edgy. This is just hilarious. Like, oh, this is delicious. I wonder what kind of chuny bullshit happened to you. And then you see what happened to him. It's like, oh, yeah, that would fuck me up, too. You know what? You, You've earned like, the right to be edgy. <laughs> you earned your right to edge. You know what? Hey, hey, hey. Sorry? No, go finish your thought I was first. just going to say, yes, no. Not everybody deserves the right to be edgy in my book. When you murdered the girl you're in love with, thinking she was actually somebody... Think, you, when you murdered the girl you love with because she, you think she killed your other friend and took her identity, and you want to avenge her because all of your friends have basically just decided, okay, let's just deal with the status quo and pretend this never happened and just live life as normal without talking to you, that would kind of fuck me up pretty badly. Like, my thing is, like, yeah, they, they essentially, he is such, and it's not like he kills her, like, easily. Mm -hmm. He, like, goes behind her and takes his time strangling he, her out. He Agent 47s her. It's gruesome, guys. What can we say? Incidentally, hey, hey, do you, do you remember how I said I could, um, compare something of this to an actual atrocity? Yeah. Yes. Would you like me to describe that now, or would I talk about the character? Let us talk about. Oh no! Go ahead, dude. No, no. Right. No, no. I gotta hear All right. this. Uh, I forget when exactly this happened. But there was basically an incident where a Korean airliner accidentally flew into Soviet airspace and got shot down. Uh, and okay. after you know, and it was it was, it was you know, big tragedy. Uh, and after this happened, people would interview the guy who fired the missile and ask him how he felt about that. Do you know what his response was? What? I was only following government cover-up oh government cover-up hmm. fake luggage in the plane he was he convinced to the day he died that this is all a big lie because it was easier for him to believe that than to believe that he killed a bunch of people man just so and kaito's whole deal is it's easier for him to think that what he's doing is right than accept the fact that he fucked up and murdered somebody by accident somehow kaito is the kaito is only dissociating the second hardest in this entire show Who's this? Oh, wait. Suichi. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Yep. I was like, wait a minute. Who's the first? Oh, right. No, his, his memory's so bad that he's got TV static everywhere. Also, did exactly. we talk about the alien? Um, uh, yes, also, the alien. Uh, he's an alien. His Him and his buddies were traveling through space, and they crash-landed on Earth by accident. And all the other aliens are in these little... There are these little, uh, these little sort of coin-shaped sleeping bodies, except for him, because he was awake at the time. And this entire death game thing basically started with him being like, Hey, can you help me find my buddies? Because God, was he on the... I can't... I don't really know what I'm doing. Oh, God, you know what he is? He was the guy on the night shift that was flying the plane and fell <laughs> asleep at the wheel. Oh, fuck and, like, oh, shit. Kinda. Stop. Like his, because that's what that's why this game is so confusing. Is because he's the guy of this team that has no idea what he's actually doing. He's flying this at the seat of his pants. Pretty much, uh, he's he's technically just sort of a. As we see in the show, he doesn't really look like that. That's just a form they've taken to 
splendid. He's pretty. He's By the way, I have to add. <laughs> I'm laughing really hard because Andrew talked about this being murder on Ohana. Yeah. Um, do you want to know who plays the alien in the subs of Gleipner? Uh, who? Who? <laughs> is it Jinto? No. No, but it is somebody in the Super Peace Busters. <laughs> He's uh, played by one Takahiro Sakurai. Oh! Oh shit, wait, wait. Sakurai? Uh, who is Takahiro in uh, Anohana? He's Yukiatsu. Oh, oh shit, yeah. But if you oh. can... I, I just want to give yeah. everybody like a really funny image of... He's also Reagan from Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> Oh, so he's, yeah. And, like, the first image you see in this series is his ass coming out of the vending machine. Yeah. So please imagine oh. Reagan from Mob Psycho 100 crawling out of a vending machine. Oh, God. You can, you can all, it also works well if you're thinking of Rohan Kishibe. Rohan Kishibe crawls out of, crawls out of the vending machine. He would literally shove himself inside of a vending machine for research. If it meant fucking over Josuke. Also, also if it meant fucking over Josuke. Anyways, who's playing these characters? Um, Naoto is played by Howard Rang, who you know for such roles as uh, uh, Siki Pasi from Golden Kamui, Sintaro Miya from Kono, uh, Kono Oto Tomare, and Hitoshi Sug Suguroku from Nambaka. Uh, Honoka is played by Alexis Tipton. Who you know from the uh, Kamaru Negi in Danganronpa 3, and uh, Loretta Chris Cristiano Amo Amodio from Gangsta. Uh, Aiko is played by Sarah Wiedenheft, who you know from Toro in, you know, is Toro in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid and Lily in the Zombieland Saga. Kaito is played by David Matranga, who you know as Brettold Hoover in Attack on Titan and Ginjiro Tanigaki in Golden Kamui, and the alien is played by Kyle Ignasi, who you know as uh, Hiroto Yasaka in My Roommate is a Cat, and as Mitsuba in Toilet Bound Hanakokun. Megan, would you like to start us off again? Sure, let's start off with Howard. Uh, I think Howard did a good job as uh, Naoto. He was very kind of calming, and also I apologize that my cat is crying in the background, but she knows what she did. Um... <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she did. She demanded to come in here, and now she's stuck in here. She can, she can wait. Go take a nap. It's just like this show. Be careful what you wish for. You'll probably get it. Megan, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Hi. I'll forget pictures of her to send for Amon to edit. Come here, child. <laughs> child, come on the bed. I will give you scratches. Are you going to lick your butthole now? Okay, cool. I bet you the alien could- You know what? I bet you the alien guy in the show could lick his own asshole. And that still probably. wouldn't be the weirdest fetish in this. That's probably- He could probably do that even without changing from his human form. Exactly! He seems flexible enough. I mean, he could just do it. No one would say anything. Like, he, he would like he's already a, got- like He's already got gender bender down in his tags. What's a couple more? He would he would listen to that Jay Z song Ninety Nine Problems and he get to the part where he talks about kiss my whole asshole and be like, hmm. I wonder track. what this tastes like. Um. Oh hey, man, this this show is doing things to us people. Oh Andrew, like you weren't horny when you started. Um, 
No comment. Uh, Aiko, Sarah Wiedenheft does a really good job as this energetic QC girl, but I also love that she has to play Alexis's character as herself at points, too, because she has to play uh, Honoka being Aiko. Because uh, I don't believe, unless I'm remembering this wrong if her voice changed, but she basically had to play herself, play someone playing her character. And I think that she did. Yeah, she, a, she had to adopt the yeah the vocal mannerisms of Hanukkah. Yeah, no, it, it, character. It was which definitely is a still very Sarah. tough thing to do, especially when you're doing it in this very dramatic, traumatizing scene. So I really want to applaud Sarah there. Uh, Alexis as Hodaka. Not only does she have to be the cute, shy girl and the very nice girl, which I think she does exceptionally well, she eventually has to become this monotone monster where she is this being that goes around asking people who her name is and if they say they know it they disappear which yep which man also they sort of kind that, of that that shit was fucking terrifying that shit's fucking terrifying she literally undoes undoes you boy this that's gonna suck for people who are just bad with names to begin with Man, like, Glepnir uh, what, hits on a lot of existential nightmares of mine, including, like, memory loss and, like, just fading into nothingness. Like, oh, God. That disturbed me more than, like, the body horror fetish stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Andrew, did you, did you have uh, serious problems watching uh, Marvel uh, Infinity War? I'm still not even... I am very behind on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Andrew is going to get. I'm really sorry, Andrew's care to catch up. I I maybe will eventually, but right now it's like, uh, I got my hero. I got Spider Verse two. I'm good. I feel like Wandavision would That's fuck good... up Andrew. Oh, definitely. I probably That's would actually about, really. Uh... I probably would really like Wandavision too. Yeah. At this point, there's just too much homework. Yeah. Like, WandaVision is one of those I really like the show because it reminds me of a lot of things I like. I also don't want to have to watch, like, 20 movies. Um, but, so Lexus has to be this kind of ethereal, creepy demon. And she does it really well. And the thing is that I think a lot of people really know Lexus Tipton for very upbeat and eccentric roles. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Shinya, what the hell do you want? Um, just come over and let me pet you. Um, but... She knocks out of the park. Dave as as fucking uh uh Kaito okay. and his stupid lion hair. Um <laughs> maybe I'm a lion. Um he is crazy. But he's not like the crazy that everybody likes to praise in their acting, where it's over the top and hammy that it's subdued and very like, oh, I fucked up. I'm gonna delude myself into thinking I didn't fuck up and bring back people from the dead. <laughs> Always goes great. Yeah, and then just like, it just, just it just fucks with him. And like, Dave's really got that down, and just like you're like so creeped out by it in the scenes of him just being like well i loved her i loved her guess what she's gone now 
She's Ray. She's Ray from the end of Evangelion. That's his oh power. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Am I right? That's literally the first uh, thing I thought with like the twenty anyway. versions of her. I wonder if that was a direct, like a direct reference. I mean, it felt felt like it, didn't it? it yeah, with the color palette and everything, yeah. Anyway, and then Kyle Ignacy's as the alien is. I love Kyle Ignacy's work. I wish he was actually in a lot more stuff than he is. Um, I love how we played this character as both smooth and a total dork at the same time, and like. I love that he is supposedly the the chill one of his friends. Because <laughs> I think he describes them as being, like, what, cynical and, and like, just apathetic at the same time. They are basically uncaring, no amoral beings. And he's just and kind he's, of a doesn't care. And he's just like, humans, hey, you're cool. Look, I can give myself boobies. I can lick my own butthole. Um... I call bullshit on his his explanation of like I, I'm attracted to your breasts because while I'm in this form I have human emotions. Like no, mm, <laughs> you were horny before you got here. Just be honest. Let's be real. His favorite movie with Earth with Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all five of you who are over the age of thirty who got that joke. But no, I I genuinely liked it. I genuinely liked that there was this kind of like. His voice was warm, but his tone was not. Whereas, like, mm. this guy sounds like he's nice, but I'm pretty sure if I agree to him, this is how the monkey paw curls. But I'm gonna do it anyway, because humans go ooh shiny. <laughs> so, I really, again, I overall form. really liked these performances. And I really gotta hand it out to the entire crew that did episode 10. Like, that was genuinely, like, I think... Was it 10 or 11? Or 12? I think it was 11. I think, it, oh, no, I it think was the flashback 12. was actually 12. It was It was yeah. second to the, last episode, the you're right. 12, episode 12 yeah. flashback was probably one of my favorite episodes in anime, and I think some of my favorite dub work I've heard from Sound Cadence in a long time, and I like a lot of Sound Cadence stuff. So, just that episode just knocked it out of the park in terms of tension, dramatic acting writing and just chef's kiss <laughs> Swedish chef kiss no would you like to go next <laughs> uh yes sorry I've been watching a lot of uh, Muppet show recently a lot of good episodes in there a lot of celebrities I've never heard of before yep <laughs> speaking of uh, people I have uh, never heard... actually no I take that back I'm sorry the last section had a lot of uh, talent that I've never heard of before um, and I'm glad that I got to hear them in that uh, this group, though, by contrast, are some of the uh, old, um, I won't say old staples of uh, Funimation, but uh, uh, the names that you've probably heard of quite a bit before, and uh, for good reason, too, because they're really good at, um, uh, none of them really have um, really uh, distinct standout uh, vocal uh, voices that, um, like, you could pick them out in a crowd exactly, at least in this particular dub, and I feel like that was very much intentional. Aside from uh, Aiko's, like, uh, 11 out of 10 over-the-top personality. Everybody is just kind of like supposed to be kind of like high school average. Or, is it high school? It is high school, yes. Yeah. Um, and that and that uh, comes across really well because um, it, it means that you don't expect what's about to happen. You're like, okay, so we're following these kids in what's essentially daycare. 
Hey, they're friends. They re-meet each other up a couple years later. What's going to go wrong? And everything. then we find out exactly what went wrong. Quite so literally that, everything. Just about everything that could go wrong does absolutely go wrong. So, um, to, to give credit where it's due, um, uh, yeah, so Lex and Alexis Tipton's uh, voice is something that I'm used to for her more over-the-top and very uh, chipper voices. Her son from uh, My Bride is a Mermaid, that kind of voice. Um, so it's kind of refreshing that she got to play um, not a not a dull character. There's an actual uh, like emo girl we'll, we'll get to in the next section. But in this one, it's more of a... Um, she's just kind of... She's kind of... What's the word I'm looking for here? She's content with where she is. She's kind of consigned to where she is. And because of that, I feel really bad for her. And yeah, getting to hear um, Sarah's performance uh, works off that really well. It's, it's like, yes, I know people who are good friends with each other who are like complete opposite personality types here. Like these two would absolutely crush it on like uh, Laurel and Har not Laurel, um, what are we thinking of? Thelma and Louise, there we go. In 50 years from now, they're gonna make a kick-ass Thelma and Louise movie. I'm just throwing out all the references I can think of here right now. Um, <laughs> Howard Wang uh, is probably the one who uh, probably isn't gonna get the, the most compliments on this section just because Naoto is the straight man in all of this. He, uh, you know, he survives what happens uh, when they re-meet each other. He's still part of the game, but he doesn't really get to do too much. But that's okay because we need someone who is um, more of the straight man in this person in this part of the show. So yeah, Howard, you did a good job. As for David Matranga, my God, um, you know, it, it's interesting that Megan that you said um, you would describe Kaito as being a crazy personality type, but not the kind that people would like to cheer for. And you're right, that that's true. Although I feel like maybe we shouldn't cheer for crazy people too much here. Like, uh, I also, I already felt a little bad cheering for um, uh, the bad guys in the last section here. Like, should I really be cheering for David Wald's character? I really feel like I shouldn't be. But that's okay, because the show gave us Kaito then. And no one's supposed to feel bad for this guy. Like, who among us looks at the situation and thinks, well, the logical step... I. I gotta choke this girl. I, I gotta hang her. It's it's just there's no other solution. The only solution to murder that? is more murder. See, That's, here's I mean, the thing. I don't I don't think it is a good idea he came up with, but I feel like without real okay. I feel like there was enough bullshit going on with this scenario that I feel like jumping the gun was kind of a little more reasonable than you'd think. Especially the fact that he is, uh, I don't know, kinda getting fucked with by all of his friends. And they're just kinda like, I guess this is just our life Yeah, now, like, they just also just, they should've... It. Yeah, like, him going crazy isn't also just because, like, he decided to go snap the neck for eye for an eye. They left him out to dry. They kind of fucking abandoned him in like a really preposterous, kind of emotionally like traumatic moment. Their thought was just, let's just continue our life. Even the guy who's dating the girl who's not actually his girlfriend. That yeah, would wonder fuck you up. I don't think he's... 
I don't think he made the right decision, but I don't think he's wrong to jump the gun in his traumatized, fucked up state of mind. Although considering that this was his reaction to finding everything out, maybe his friends had the right instinct that maybe this guy isn't the kind of guy who we want in on our secret. <laughs> I mean, fair, but at the same time, at this point, all of them kind of seem a little sociopathic. And that is what actually happened in Anohana. So, you know, fun, <laughs> happy, upbeat, cheerful story. I mean, look. In season nobody... two, they're all going to play hide and seek. Okay, look, everybody in Anohana is dealing with trauma, but nobody just straight up was like, okay. Time to do some murder. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, in, 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 the, in the mild defense of all these characters, they are all supposed to be like, 16 at most maybe these are not people these are not scenarios they should be having to navigate okay anyway. fair enough like they're like here's the thing you can you can uh, here's the thing bad can like bad people can make very interesting characters as the kind of thing where it's like no we should have bad bad people be interesting characters in oh. media it's just a matter of you have to oh, write sure. a bad character good instead of just writing a bad character badly Right, that's what that's the entire cast of like Bakano and Dura Ra Ra. Awful people, interesting to watch. And also you kinda of make a bad story if you make somebody who is a good person a bad character or like don't God, where the fuck am I going with this? We're Look, here too long. Character writing hard. Character writing hard. <laughs> <laughs> My okay, so I, I I'm gonna say that like in, in the whole story of this entire show the, the puppy suit that you walk inside, I can buy that. The alien with the coins thing there, I could buy that. But this whole thing with, you know, the guy who, despite the trauma he's going through, deciding that time to do more murder, that was the that was the leap in logic that was the hardest one to make. Like, I'll buy that. Okay, we needed a way to get the story underway. We needed to have a more traumatic event in here. Fine, let's go with that. But that was just the thing that took me the hardest to adapt to. Still, David, he did a good job. Um, I'm trying to, like, uh, articulate uh, if there's anything here he had to do with standout-ish. But the fact is, like, you don't always get, like, the slimy-sounding characters who do the bad things. A lot of times, it's just the next-door neighbor who you would never suspect. Nobody suspects David Matranga. So it, it, it fit very well with what the character was supposed to do. What next-door neighbor do you know has a fucking lion mane? Um... Let me check. The Komodo friends? It's not a lion mane, but it but uh do Mohawks count? Sure. Anyways, Muna. Anyways, um uh like uh, Megan was saying, uh, I do I also wish Kyle Ignacy was in more stuff too, because he's a he's a pleasant sounding voice. Um when I heard him as um uh in Okita in Hakata Tonkotsu Ramen. Uh, I was kind of hoping that I'd hear him in uh, a lot more stuff after that as well. So it's nice to hear him in this. Um, I'm used to aliens who are stuck on Earth and become infatuated with uh, pop culture to be more like, uh, you know, Invader Zim or Sergeant Frog. You're like a little more wacky, a little goofier, a little more, they're never going to take over the world. Um, so it's kind of nice to have an alien who's uh, more chill, just like, just a more casual otaku who's really into the, the nerdy stuff he's coming across while still absolutely having no idea what he's doing. He's just like, I want the coins. 
uh, this girl suggested making it a game. So, sure, that sounds logical. And uh, it, it is interesting that his entire shtick is um, just trying to be the most unassuming kind of human you could be. You know, he could have chosen to be any human. He could have been a Schwarzenegger <laughs> bodybuilder. He could have been Jessica Rabbit. He could have been Doc McStuffins. He could have been anything he wanted. He but went he with decided the Shoujo Pretty Boy. And that, and that is unassuming. Like, no one suspects him. I, I, aside from the fact he's living in a junkyard, aside from that, you're right. He's the most unassuming. So, story-wise, it fits pretty well. And Kyle was pretty perfectly cast for this entire role. It's a shame that, like, I, I kind of assume that, and you can tell me, Amon, if I'm right or wrong, but are there, like, side chapters or bonus content in the manga that's just, like, him goofing around and discovering new things about the human world? No. Okay, well, they totally should. He seems pretty stationary. Like, maybe it's mostly just he'll read some manga, but he's kind of content just loafing around in a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So, yeah, for the for the uh, Super Peace Busters group here, so, uh, pretty well cast. And uh, another good example of how the show uh, doesn't give you all the information in a linear fashion. It likes to give it to you in a Pulp Fiction manner. And if you're on board with that, then you will be in for a good time. All right, Andrew? All right, so I'm going to keep this short for a couple of them. Uh, Howard Wang does a good job as the kind of soft-spoken, edgy boy who just kind of deals with the fact that his girlfriend's dead. Um, I think uh, Alexis Tipton and Sarah Wiedenhap do a really, really good job for what are basically, like, one-episode characters. Alexis does a good job being the kind of, like, quiet, meek girl who's just kind of dealing with the fact that her life sucks and wants to be somebody else to because she deserves to be forgotten and her friend deserves to be remembered. I think Sarah Weedenheft does a great job being, like, energetic, cutesy, and bubbly, but also really sells it when she is also being Honoka as well, as a lot more damp, subdued, and kinda a little, you know, traumatized. Like she what? Like she watched her friend hang herself, and just kinda decided I shouldn't be her because she deserves to live and I don't. There's a whole lot of uh. We don't have a time to unpack all of that, but that shit's heavy for this. David Petraga, he introduced himself as a goddamn edgelord, and then I saw him kind of descend into madness and disassociate harder than a lot of things I've ever seen before. Holy shit, David Petraga sells it really well for a character who's also in this for one or two episodes. And Kyle Ignasi, Kyle Ignasi as the alien, is delightful. He is kind of goofy he's a little weird I, I forgot who said it but it was basically like he says things very light and jovial like well not the things he said aren't very light and jovial like he's just got a very he's a very weird person who doesn't really mean well but he doesn't mean he doesn't mean wrong but he doesn't mean right either he just is mean. he just means he is just there. He feels true neutral, is the way I describe him. He does not have any real monkey's paw. He just kind of is... 
He doesn't have a monkey's paw, but he also doesn't even really have a fucking game plan. He's like... His, his roadmap for his game is about as clear as it was for Anthem. I'm just gonna let that one sink in. But no, Kyle Ignacy is delightful. I love him being a very goofy, kind of insane character. Like, he's a little more subdued here, but I love it when Kyle gets to be really hammy and very absurd. Like... I'm thinking of characters like, honestly, the first one that comes to mind, just because it's technically another sound cadence thing, is Giovanni Potage in Epithet Erased is like, if you want a really fun Kyle Ignacy role, that's a good one to watch. Like, he is a ton of fun in that. I see a little bit of the alien in, in Giovanni, but Giovanni's also way more like, high strong high energy kind of insane dork but no i i love kyle as the alien he's just this weird strange character but he just is really compelling all right uh let me see um i think howard turns in a good performance he kind of has to play like generic dude for a little bit but i think he, he he's good at that and then later on he turns into this very this cloak-wielding, angsty guy. I think he, he sells that really well. Um, I think Alexis and Sarah did really good jobs as their characters. I think they did a good job as... That, 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 you know, the weird, you know, one one's, you know, is the other, but has to play as the other kind of thing. And I think they do... You, you do get some of that in there, and I think that's well done. Um, David does a really good job as Kaito, as just being... just he, he doesn't look very threatening, but you can just tell that, like, yeah, this is bad news all around. Um... And Kyle's just, I, I, I like what Megan said of, like, what was it, like, friendly but not warm? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I, th I think that I think that really gets at it. It's like, he, there's something just slight, there's something off about him. And it doesn't quite raise alarm bells necessarily, but it's like, mm, maybe this isn't a great idea. But maybe you don't realize that until it's a little too late. Um, yeah, these are, these are great performances. I, I like them a lot. Uh, so next we have we have a fun little group. Uh, Shuichi and Claire during their little coin hunt come across this uh, group of people who have sort of banded together to come hunt for coins, uh, and they kind of sort of force themselves to become part of the group. It turns out okay for them, give or take. Except when it doesn't. Fire. Yes, and also one guy who isn't part of that group. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, so in that group we have uh, Sayaka Koyanagi, who is the the leader of the group. She wears a hockey mask. She's gay and has a We're, let, let, tragic backstory. Let's call her lesbian Voorhees. Yes. I was just going to call her a power top. <sighs> Not the person I was expecting to make that joke. All right. Let's go with that. Um, she's in charge, and her power is she can basically make this little, like, uh, sort of a mystic like necklace thing go into your neck and if you betray them your head pops she's off she's got like the so coolest power in the show like as soon as i heard what her and she has was, her power and she has her power because unlike everybody else she came in with a clear vision in mind yeah i'll also say there's also something kind of morbid about the fact that it wraps around your neck when her whole trauma is that the person she was in love with hung themselves Okay, Hong, yeah, that's not that, Hong that, that is called irony. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, this this the show in, in certain ways reminds me a little bit of Darker Than Black, which I thought also did a oh. very good job of giving characters powers, but being kind of creative about it and not just kind of like the standard stuff you usually see in superpower shows. I still say Boondo Straight Dogs um, kind of takes the cake with that because there are some pretty yeah. fucking great powers in that, like capitalism. Well, <laughs> Literally, F. I mean, Scott Fitzgerald's power. Is I'm sorry, no, what it is cap. Noah, I have to make you understand that this guy's because I know Noah hasn't seen it, and I don't know, Amon, if you've seen Boon Ghost Stray Dogs all the way through. No, been meaning to. F. Scott Fitzgerald's power is the stronger... He gets stronger the more money he spends. You know, you know, I know why they gave that to Fitzgerald, and I know the gimmick of Bungo is that they're all writers, <laughs> yeah. but I'm really disappointed that's not Henry Ford's power, because that feels like <laughs> what Henry Ford should have. In I mean, scenario. Herman Henry Melville's power is literally, is, is literally making a Sky Whale battleship. Yeah, that works. Um, anyways, uh, next up we have Chihiro uh, Yoshioka. Uh, she's just a she's just a night sweet girl who has cat ears now. Okay, Chihiro is basically play. the Chihiro is the Nana of the group who didn't who didn't avoid the plot. <laughs> she yeah. also might be a furry. She is the little sweetest she little just sweetheart. I love her. She's uh, precious. She deserves good things. Too bad she's in a murder show. She would totally Later. she would totally fuck in her fursuit. Can't deny that. Short, shortly after meeting, she and Shoichi go into the woods to go find her wallet, which she dropped. Uh, they end up, and uh, she ends up going around in his bodysuit just sort of to make things faster. They get in a fight with uh, with Subaru, and uh, they kind of just end up bonding into this horrifying little gun-toning cat. Okay, thing, that was fucking rad. Everything that was fucking rad. I was losing my shit when I saw that thing. I'm like, that's <laughs> so fucking cool. What? But also freaky. What? The 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 metamorphosis. Oh yeah, that was fucking look, baller. It look look. It was like a as, it was like we'll... a better elfin lead. Oh my god. I mean, Andrew, that's as, not a very as, high as... bar to clear. That is. It's not. It, but don't... tell me that that didn't look a little bit like Lucy. It looked a little like Lucy. Lucy. It looked like Nana. It, yeah. It, uh, it, as people who watch the show will notice, of course, Good Smile is one of the people who helped make the show, and here's your answer why. Instant figurine money. You can slap $200 on that and make a million. Hey, kids, do you want a murder figure? cat girl? Oh, I know that. Hey, kids, do you want a murder psycho cat person? Actually, yeah, no. <laughs> it's not girl. It is cat person. We're working on We're working on Stevani rules with this. Chihiro and Shuichi... Become a non-binary, violent murder cat person. Yes. Th Good Smile does have a pop-up parade of Chihiro and Claire, and I am actually going to hope that uh, when she comes into being on sale in the normal shop, I'm actually going to buy the Claire. I'm sorry, I'm going to be That's buying the one. Chihiro, because that Chihiro figure mm -hmm. is cool as fuck. Anyways, uh, let's oh, yeah. see. Shuichi and Chihiro. Shuhiro. Shihiro anyway. looks awesome. Anyways, uh... No, 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 uh, no, Andrew, Andrew, you're missing the obvious name it should be. One's a dog, one's a cat. Cat dog! Noah, I will literally fucking throw this One knife fine day with a wolf and a purr, baby was born with a <laughs> 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 
Oh, we want to know if feline dog is a feline cat. I little cat dog. Cat dog. Cat dog. Cat dog. These anime remakes are getting weird. I was I was trying to be respectful. The thing I learned today. I was Megan trying to recite song. all the Nicktoon theme songs. Alone Not in the world with a little cat learn. dog. I was trying to make a right, respectful so. Steven Universe reference, and then it became Cat Dog. Which, you know no, what? Megan, nothing Megan. respectful about this show. Your your effort was in vain. Are you telling me that Cat Dog is a fusion and they are in fact a crystal gem? <laughs> This is, you know what? This is getting way above. Fusion is just a weak. <laughs> fusion is just a weak trick to make weak cartoons stronger. I see. Anyways, is pecking considered fusion? Okay, and now so we're done. So who else is in this cast? Now, now we're there, done. There, there's also there's also Yota Murakami. He is a he's this skinny handsome guy who awkwardly hits on Claire. Come on, Claire Bear! Fuck off! Fuck off! Yep. Uh, but he, 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 but here's the secret. He's actually the only one in the group who can fight because his power is basically just he can fuck you up real good. Uh, he, doesn't he just? Doesn't he just one punch? He just the one, one shot man. man's head off, doesn't he? he, he no, he doesn't he try. All might, not his head, it. but his jaw. That's right. Yeah, he, he'll he'll fuck you up real mm -hmm. good. Uh, we also have Is uh, Isao Kasuga, uh, who. Uh, turns into this big sort of hairy kind of yeti looking monster. I, I like, and he can make plants grow. I like the fact that the I like the fact that everybody is just assuming that he is the powerhouse of their group when it's actually just the fucking playboy fuckboy. And I like the fact that no, he's just mm -hmm. a sweet little boy who likes to plant stuff really good. Who also kind of gets traumatized and probably a little bit of post traumatic stress disorder when he kind of has is inadvertently kills a bunch of people. They kind of did that same. Mm -hmm. They did that same trope with uh, Greg Ayer's character in My Hero Academia, where it's like you know it's the big, tough, rocky-looking guy, but and you think ah. he's a tough guy, but no, no, he just likes animals. Okay, that's what you meant. I was gonna be like, Coda hasn't murdered anybody. What the fuck are you Yet. on about? What? <laughs> Greg Ayer's. Anyways, anyways. Uh, I was. It's how it was this Gerusians group of that one X Men kid whose power is just that he knows all languages. Which is a very useless power in X-Men, and otherwise a very useful power if you're in any other scenario. I mean, who wouldn't want to have this guy in his team? He makes plants grow. It's so cute. Uh, we also have Miku Aihara. Uh, she is a she's a convenience store clerk who can turn invisible. She and Sayaka have a complicated relationship. She, do you uh, want me in to that keep they both that like up for each you? Other. In, in, in that they both like each other, but Sayaka has a lot of Sayaka um, has a lot issues. of personal traumatic romantic baggage to deal with, and Miku really wants to warm up her heart for her, but Sayaka's kind of got a lot of a lot of trauma and therapy she's kind of got to deal with. That's I ship slut. it totally though. I that totally fucking slut. Okay, God. Okay, yeah, no. She is the character where it's like she's just floating in a pool and she just says such a fucking slut and is like, oh, that's so fucking funny. Uh, and we also have uh, Ikuchi. 
Ikuchi uh, head can turn to a camera, and he's terrible. He's the worst. It's the not in TR. You're, it's not in okay. TR if Andrew you're not in a relationship. Now, okay, no, 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 no. Is let this me NTR? explain. No, no, no. Shut the fuck up. Please tell me up. this isn't NTR. Let me. Let, no, 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 no. Let me explain the context. Let me explain the context. The context is literally I'm watching episode six where uh, Chihiro is bonding with Shuichi, and they're being very cute together. And really like, bonding. He, you should get inside of me to make this faster because they're trying to... They basically go into the woods, uh, try to look for her wallet, and then and then they get inside of each other as most porn scenarios start. And literally, he follows them the entire time and he is filming Chihiro going inside of Shuichi. So as I'm watching this, as he's filming them and he's crying, I'm literally just like, okay, I'm on episode six now. Is this NTR... Motherfucker, is this dude filming his own cucking? It's Though not it is, NTR if you're not in a relationship. That is the exact that thing point. he said. It's like, count. It's not technically NTR because NTR requires the being in a re relationship. He's merely a bitter loser. Said one Amandu. It is, it is literally that meme of, of a man and a woman next to each other like, I consent, I consent. And then Jesus is off on the side and said, isn't there somebody you forgot to consider? Your camera friend. The, poor, the guy Your filming the porn. Let's be honest, Ikiuchi would still fap to it. He'd cry while doing yeah. it too. Yeah, he would. Both of those things. Uh, so that that's their little friend group, but there's one other guy, one other person they meet up with who they become friends with, and his name is uh, uh, Tadanori Sanbei. Uh, but he's this he's this comically enormous high school student uh, who turns into this big knife monster, and he really just wants to fight people who are strong. That's all he wants in life. <laughs> uh, and he basically becomes friends with Claire and Shuichi because it's like, hey, you guys are strong. I like you. Let's be friends. Did you just turn into but, Rocky Balboa for a second? I mean. I want to go the distance. He does want to go the distance, just, you know, in murder fights. As you do. Uh, he's fun. Uh, he doesn't show up very much in this season, although if we, if, if slash when we get season two, he will, he will show up much more. Playing these characters. Uh, we have, as Sayaka, we have Lindsay Shepard, who is known for being the narrator in Bananya and the Curious Bunch. Uh, Alka in Suppose a Kid from the Last Dungeon Boonies Moved to a Star Town, plus a lot of video game roles. Uh, Chihiro is played by Michelle Mari, you know as Noah Fukushima in D4DJ First Mix, Fizzle and Sword Art Online, Alicization, and Gyokuto and Yashihime. Uh, Yota is played by Kirian Flitton, uh, who has a lot of minor roles in stellar shows like Actor Song Connection, City Hunter, Shinjuku Private Eyes, and Therame Romai. Uh, he's also done a lot of video game work. One I happen to like is he plays the character Henry Division in Paradise Killer. Also, fun fact... Uh, we were discussing earlier about how uh, the uh, one positive side effect of the pandemic has been a lot more of people being able to be in shows dubbed outside of their range. And as far as I know, we have now maybe found the king of this, because Kyrian is not based in Texas or California. He's not even based in the United States. He's based in England. Oh, okay. Oh. Cool. I thought you were going to say he is Canada. A, he is a British actor. I think it's England, not Scotland. But he is a British actor. That's why he's in Paradise Killer, which is a British-made game. Uh, I don't, I'm not gonna say that's the first time I've encountered this, because I have no idea if that's true, but, hey! Cool! You wouldn't have found that last year, you wouldn't have found that two years ago. No, fucking good right. for him. Mm -hmm. Good for him. I know, right? Good on him. Uh, 
Uh, Iseo is played by Casey Mongilo, who you know as Sho Suzuki in Mob Psycho 100, uh, THX in Time of Eve, and Shinji Ikari in the 2019 dub of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, Miku is played by Sarah Ann Williams, who you know as uh, Midorai Ishiki in Kakigurui, uh, Sayaka Miki in Madoka Magica, did nothing wrong. and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Nonan, Nonan Jakizure in Kill Non Non. Uh, Iku non Non, thank you. Uh, Ikuchi is played by Damon Mills, you know as Jiki Kudo in Kono Ote Otomare, uh, Aldelbert von Fahrenheit in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Die of Thies, and Cherry Blossom in Skate the Infinity. Matcha Blossom is my religion! That's true. And uh, Tandori is played by Cameron Nikad, uh, who plays a baker in Arte, and according to... Uh, Andrew play, does, does a lot of sort of video games and Mashima, Mashima roles on God, the I love Shinobu. the... Uh, so congratulations, congratulations on having a big name love... role, dude. You sound great. Okay, I just want to say I love the way you pronounce Machinima. It is it is just delightful. <laughs> I, I love it. Thank you. Alrighty, I'm going to go in uh, reverse order. Uh, go. I guess I'm going first, because I've been going first the entire time, so fuck off. Um... <laughs> Tanadori. I wish Tanadori was in the show more. Uh, uh, Cameron was great. They were really, really, really funny to me because this guy was stoic as fuck besides flexing his muscles. And he's just a nice guy. He's got like the nice guy oh, voice where it's just like, you could break me in half, my good sir. But I respect that, and I respect you as a person, therefore we are bros. He- he- it, it's gonna sound really weird, is he gives me the same kind of vibes as, um, uh, Ben Lepley's performances to do in The Three Houses. You know, which, I can kinda see it. To which, oh boy, I kinda wanna be on a certain show because I want to talk about Ben Lepley, but I- I might have to be on that episode now because I need to talk about Ben Lepley as the number one to do show on the podcast. Um- Ikayuchi, Damon Mills. Boy, Ikayuchi's a bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, he's such a little fuckboy. And Damon Mills plays him as, like, this slimy, kind of cowardice guy who, in the end, betrays them all. I think it's such- I read somewhere, like, his situation's really ambiguous in the manga, but in the anime, they just outright kill him. Because you see uh, mm. the braids start choking his neck. Mm-hmm. In the Ole- when he's uh, going out in the Oleander field. Um, he broke a pinky promise. Never break a pinky promise with a lesbian. God, don't you know? Um, Learned that one the hard way, let me tell you. I think he does a really good job being like this kind of nerdy, insecure guy who's like clearly got a crush, but he doesn't have... He doesn't want to say it to the girl he likes, and therefore he takes his jealousy out on everybody else. And he's got that very defensive quality in his voice. Uh, Sarah as Miku. This is the softest Sarah Ann Williams I have ever heard. Because I know Sarah Ann Williams for going batshit. Uh, literally, I see Nan Nan and all I hear is Sarah Williams yelling, turn down for what? <laughs> I love that blooper so fucking much. Um, I really like her. I love her delivery of you're such a fucking slut. It's so, like, it's that moment, it's just, like, you can hear the pure frustration in her voice as Miku. Uh, Casey, uh, Mongolino? Sorry, Casey, I'm bad at pronouncing names. They're an actor I've really wanted to talk about for a long time, because I think they got one of the, like, they had been in stuff before Ava, but getting thrust into suddenly being Shinji and being the most hotly contested voice of all time 
as a lot to take on. And I love their Isao their portrayal of this. They made him very soft. They made him very gentle, and you were very concerned for him. And yeah, he was kind of a creepy fuzz monster, but he was my creepy fuzz monster. You know what? That, <laughs> and I that's would, a good I way would of raise putting it. I would raise that boy. I would, I would, I would protect, and I want to see it grow strong. And you're I'm... just like, you, you, you're like the one. He was the one. Like, please don't let him die. That he was the one that I was gonna lose it. If Isayo died, I, that was the one I was gonna be pissed at. Um, yeah. I thought they were super adorable and super soft, and you really felt for them in the end when they were they were playing the act. Yota Kirian, I he was the one I was a little unsure of at first. He's the only person I genuinely felt like okay. I might not totally be on board with this, but by the end of it, I was definitely down with him as Yota. He definitely got his sleazy flirting down to a science uh just his yo claire bear she's got grade a baps <laughs> i love that like, yeah. of all the words you could have used baps how do you go with baps? i'm so i'm so i don't know if this, no did, no this show never did use tiggle bitties and i'm a little sad no. um although my favorite my absolute favorite i forgot to mention this in the last uh, the last two uh was uh madoka was uh looking at uh claire and was like Ever since I laid eyes on your great big eyes, I've always. <laughs> my favorite... The camera pans down to her chest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie that one of my favorite pictures I've seen lately is a picture of Dimitri from Three Houses. Because he gets really muscular in the time skip. Just sh him wearing a really tight shirt that just says my eyes up here because he only has one eye later on. <laughs> I laughed really hard at that, and I shouldn't have. Um, I thought Kyrian was really great. Like he got really great in this. Definitely believed uh, that he had more to his sleeves by the end of it. Michelle Marie was adorable as Chihiro. Like oh, when Chihiro almost bit it, I was like, "Well, fuck, I liked you." And I thought she did a lot of the feral screaming really well. And I really want to compliment the mix team for the the feral. Chihiro Suichi Power Hour voices. <laughs> I, I, Michelle Marie is a name I keep seeing pop up a lot, and I really like her work. I genuinely would like to get to see her play uh, a lead in a Funimation show uh, coming up soon. I think she has a, a really great sound and cadence to her voice. One <laughs> 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 of us finally fucking did it. You're welcome, Amber. Um, Oh, I get it. <laughs> Day. Fuck. Oh, and you need two counters now. Um. <laughs> but no, I really, I, I really do. I, I realize when. Oh God, is she that poor girl in Sao Alicization who thinks that she has a chance in Kirito's harem? No, she's one oh, of she's the murder lollies. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. Andrew, you have to be a little more specific at SAO. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, so I really, I genuinely enjoyed her. I thought that she did a lot of really great dramatic stuff later when she has to talk to Elena about Suichi's memories. Because she kind of inadvertently becomes Suichi's keeper. And she kind of starts moving the plot towards what the fuck is up with him. And Lindsay Shepard as Sayaka. Um... I don't really know a lot of Lindsay's work, and this was really great. I thought that she was a ton of fun. I thought she was, like, sexy. 
And I, I don't genuinely, I do, the one thing I will say, though, is I don't genuinely appreciate the lesbian kind of rape aspect that was going on. Um, it's just a thing of, I don't genuinely like predatory LGBT um, mm-hmm. moments. It's a bad stereotype. Yeah, it's a bad stereotype. And I, I think it's a fair stereotype. I think it is a bad stereotype, but I would also argue she was also very much sexually abused, and that probably fucked with her a little Yeah. Bit. Yeah, still, I just don't know how that sat with me, but I liked Lindsay's performance a lot. It was mature, it was a little sexy, but it was also, like, this person who knows Elena, and she can't see what Claire sees in her, and she's got to slowly come to this realization that she's not meant for this game. And... I thought that that yeah. was a great job. Yeah, that um, uh, I, you know, I'll do the opposite of what Megan did, and I'll go actually in the the normal order here, just to, to piggyback off of the Sayaka thing, because you see her character design, and you're not really sure what her thing is, uh, like her role in this entire game, and that's true for pretty much this entire group here. I mean, you see them, and even after you've gone through the whole show and you've seen their what you know what their personality types are like you don't really think that they belong in this game you know they're not power fighters they're not super ambitious they're not looking for cars money and women they're they're just kind of like in this game to prevent other people from getting the power that comes with it so i i, I kind of respect that the show pivoted to focusing on them for a little while especially starting with sayaka because while i agree with megan that that entire power lesbian dom kind of mentality that that archetype rather uh is not healthy for uh portrayals of uh lesbians because we, we still do have in some very evangelical circles that mentality that uh lgbt people are predators that need to be put down we need to stop that um other than, but honestly aside from that Lindsay's uh portrayal in this was pretty good because she's got to play a couple of different facets she's got to be in charge for most of it but she's also got to be vulnerable not just in her flashback moments but when she realizes holy shit these two people who we brought in who i thought i understood are way crazier than i'm i'm willing to put up with we need to get out of this deal with them like now um and i also have not heard uh lindsay and anything else before i don't think i'm looking through her credits yeah i don't think so but uh, i can easily see her uh popping up in a lot more other shows as uh, other archetypes that could really use her uh, her strong vocal performance. Uh, same with Michelle Marie, which um, you meant you all mentioned that she's very cute in this, and she is. You want to see cute and adorable? Go to ANN and look up Michelle Marie's headshot that they use for her <laughs> page. If you've already seen it, you know. I think it's it is the one adorable. that she uses on Twitter too, and it's really cute. Yes, wait, it is. Wait, what? Um, wait, let me check. Go look it up. Uh, go look okay. it up. Yes. So, um, and that absolutely is what was needed in this. Um, this seemed like, um, now I didn't quite know why this character was, uh, written into this group here. Like, they established that this group is made up of people who are not the strongest fighters to begin with. Oh! But they, oh, I'm sorry. Andrew, she's your favorite in Kimono Friends. Oh, I'm very much aware that, cause, oh god, <laughs> this is gonna come up every time she's in the Sound Cadence thing. Yes, she is my favorite friend of the Kimono Friends. She is the good girl Toki. Andrew, what species is she? I'm gonna look this up because I'm not playing this fucking game right now. You know how do you say the bird's name? The Japanese crested 
Ibis. There we go. Sorry, Ugh. back to back to back to your thing, Noah. I believe it's pronounced Ibis. Noah, swear, shut the fuck up. Please move on. I'm not doing this again tonight. So okay, so I didn't know why why uh, Chihiro's uh, character was in this to begin with, and but we got it, we got it. Okay, so like I was saying before, the thing I really like about this show is that it gives you the information in bits and pieces and unorthodox ways of doing it. We don't get uh, like the flashback scene into um, Shuichi's uh, past right away, but we do get an in-plot reason for it. Chihiro gets to see his mind; he he gets to see his memories when they merge and turn into cat dog. And in that scene, we, we get, like, a very in-universe expl good explanation as to, you know, what uh, what his past was like. And some things that he isn't even privy to because, you know, he's had them blocked out. And we'll talk a little about that in the next scene here. But in that whole scene, Michelle, again, has to be uh, very sweet and very adorable and very vulnerable sounding. And she does absolutely. And it's not just the cat girl thing. It, it's also the, like... She was just. She just sounds like the girl who you would absolutely break her heart if you turned her down when she asked you to the prom. She is the girl who is giving out Valentine's chocolate to all of the boys, not because she likes all of them, but just because she's a good person and she deserves all of the chocolate as well. So Chihiro deserves all of the chocolate, and so does Michelle. Um, don't feed her. On to, don't feed her chocolate when she is cat dog because half of half of them that, will not like it. That is unfortunately uh, deadly to cats and dogs. So you're right. Please don't do that. A uh, person who I do think would like the chocolate, though, would be uh, Yota. Because uh, his, um, yeah, it, it also took me a little while to come around on what his character was supposed to be. Because I had this belief as we were going into it, especially as he started using pet names for Claire, that he was supposed to be a lot uh, skeevier than uh, the other characters. You know, he was supposed to be, he was going to be the one who... Uh, betrayed them in some capacity or the one that we weren't going to like for whatever reason. Uh, but I really, I think that storyline wise, it was just to delay what his power actually was because he's the only one who's not disguised. You know, Chihiro's got the helmet on because she's a really big fan of Dulahan's. Uh, Sayaka's got the hockey mask on because she just really loves those horror movies. Uh, Yota just really doesn't have a reason to hide his uh, his powers in any way. Um, but Kieran did a good job, especially when the fight broke out, when he had to go balls to the wall ham and he had to break out the big guns and especially his lines of, um, he, he essentially says to the centipede guy, he's like, where's your God now? That was, uh, that was a good performance. That was a good flip side to his personality. Um, Casey, they also did a really good job as plant boy because that was something that I don't think was established before. Like. If this was any other lesser manga or anime, they would have set up earlier in the show, like, uh, the deadly poison uh, that comes from these flowers when you burn them. They didn't do that in this show. It was just a really convenient way to no, get do. all of them out. Where do they establish it before? Claire picks Before an that episode. Claire picks an oleander. Uh, at the end of one of the episodes, Claire picks, up an, uh, picks an oleander flower. Does she, but she doesn't explain what it does. No, she doesn't explain what she does, but she does sniff it. And she brings I it must... with her for a reason. So it's a Chekhov's gun. Must have... Yes. Okay, I must have missed that Chekhov then. I apologize. But uh, but yeah, Casey's uh, portrayal of this is um, really young sounding, which is fitting for the character. Because uh, despite the fact that Isao is, uh, transforms into a bigger monster... 
Uh, you do get the sense that he is like the youngest, the least experienced, the most precious of the entire group, even more so than Jihiro. And I am also glad that we are getting uh, we're getting actors like Casey who are more LA based in Funimation dubs because it gives a wider range of talent to be putting in these simul dubs. So excellent job, Casey. They did a really good job. Uh, I also have heard Sarah and Williams uh, do great things like carry the entire Madoka Magica dub on their back. And it is good to hear her again in this in a completely different kind of role, though. She is not playing Saika. She's not playing Nanon in this. She is playing Daria. She's playing the I am done with this world shit and I just want to disappear. Although I have to wonder if her power is invisibility, why does she need to wear the cloak? Because because you gotta find her somehow. Yeah. Anyways, I'm curious, does the Daria reference have like a double meaning in and of itself? I wouldn't say it a double meaning, it's just her, uh, uh, I'm so done with this world and can I heat it up for you, uh, delivery reminded me of the that misanthropic teenage girl archetype. Okay, I'm gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie, like, I, I actually got a really, like, hard laugh where she's literally using can I heat it up for you as, like, an emotional bonding pickup line. I was like, oh my- And they're <laughs> like, it's you! I don't know what other lesbian pickup lines there are out there, okay? I know all the bad guy pickup lines. I don't know the lesbian ones. I, they're the uh, same as the bad guy pickup lines. With, with a little less dick. Like, none at all. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, yeah, Sarah Ann did, uh, did well in that. And it was nice because I've never heard her do that kind of voice before. I've, I've heard her in all the other roles that Amon listed before. So it's kind of nice to hear her... Especially when she got really vulnerable in the scene where she's she's proposing essentially uh, becoming a hitman and taking out Madoka in the scene where they're trying to make their escape. Where she doesn't sound uh, dead to the world in that scene. She actually sounds um, like very concerned for her teammates. That was also refreshing. Um, I, I really think that you guys are all going to say the same thing on Damon Mills. The boy's a fuckboy who just needs to get just get him some magazines all right stop filming the girl undressing stop lusting after the ones that you're never gonna have just get some pornography like the rest of us have yourself a good afternoon and get some stress relief okay homeboy's got some major incel energy i'll tell you what monaco's right He, he was talking about how um stress is gonna kill you one day um, and it is, and get, you know what's good stress relief? I'm just saying. Um, speaking of stress relief, um, Tadanori is the kind of guy who I, I agreed with uh, Andrew. I kind of wish he showed up a little bit more, and it felt like the show was leading into him showing up more because they established him in episode five, I think it was, as an ally after their uh, friendly battle happened, but he doesn't show up again. But for the one episode that I was in, it was really uh, fun to hear Cameron because it was a different kind of fighter in this whole thing. He's not in it for the coins. He's just looking for the strongest of the strong. And that may be a bit of an archetype that may be a little worn in uh, fighting anime and some battle anime. But uh, for this show, it was kind of fitting because he was like the only adult who we ran into. Everybody else was like late teens or early 20s at least. I know he's a college student. But he had the the maturity of someone who's been around a little bit longer. Speaking of someone who has not been around a little bit longer or has much maturity, Andrew. 
Oh god, how 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 long did it take you to write that one, buddy? Okay, anyways, god, okay. So I'm gonna start with I I have to open this tab back up. Um Tadanori. I love I, I'm very very familiar Okay, let's see. I'll start with I really love Tadanori. This was a guy I'm like, oh, you're gonna be evil psycho monster man. But no, you're just like a weird, deranged, like, sh psycho shonen guy in, like, a death game scenario. But you're also just kind of a cool dude. Like, I like the fact that they they have to do a creative way to beat him in battle. And he's like, huh, that was pretty creative. That was rad. I like you guys. Let's hang out. And then he kills a murder goblin for them and is like, okay, we're friends now. But then just leaves the show because he's like, hey, you're going to hang out with a bunch of other friends. They seem like nerds. Come hang out with me when you want to be friends with a real Chad. And then they do. And then the show ends. Like, they're literally about to hang out with him again. And then the show ends. I'm like, fuck you. Who were they going to hang out with again? Uh... Tada oh yeah, the big dude with the knife hands. Which got which god, that dude is rocking some major like berserk energy in his design. As for Cameron, I'm very familiar with his online work back in the days, and I really like that I'm getting to hear him pop up in more anime things. He's got a really cool, really like casual, calm voice that gets really like angry and powerful when it wants to as Tadadori, and he does a really great job selling it. I really like Cameron, and I really want to hear him particularly more things. David Mill, we love him. Fantastic actor. Amazing actor. A fantastic person. Ikeuchi fucking sucks, and that dude is just a hardcore, like, voyeuristic incel boy, and god, I knew somebody <laughs> was gonna have to drop. I knew somebody was going to have to, like, show off Sayaka's power, but it felt satisfying that it was him and not Chihiro. Like, I thought it was gonna be Chihiro the second she called Elaine. I'm like, oh! Which, man, I'm amazed at how her calling Elena is like, oh, I thought you were just gonna straight up die. Like, I'm glad. She's good, baby. Ikiuchi, uh, is a fuckboy and probably an incel, but Damon Hill Mills does a fantastic job playing the bitch baby incel boy. Miku Aihara, stoic, gay, cashier at a, at a, oh my god, why am I, why am I, convenience store, thank you. Um, no, Sarah's just a very stoic, quiet, gay girl who's doing her best to try and make her crush notice her, but her crush has too much emotional and sexual trauma. That puts a damper on a lot of relationships, doesn't it? Um. But no, Sarah Sarah Williams does a really good job playing this character who I thought I wasn't going to care about. But no, they, they have a pretty fun presence and I think they're pretty cute. Uh, Casey, man, Casey, they are really good at this great little green thumb giant. Just the, the sweetest boy, the goodest boy. I would absolutely, I know he's like a creepy, like homunculi monster but I would give him all of the head pats and I would scratch his little ears because he deserves it. I want him to be happy. I want him to grow up healthy and strong and not deal with the trauma that something he grew killed a couple dozen people. That Although I have to wonder, like, 
what, what, why did he turn into that particular being? Like, in one part of his wish, was it, I wish to uh, have a green thumb, and uh, I, I want to look like the Bumble from the Rudolph special. Uh, the Bumble? Okay. That's the first Yeti I could think of, sorry. Alright, sure. Uh, but It was called the Bumble? Uh, but no, I think Casey does a really good job making Esau sound precious, adorable, but also a little bit, like, intimidating and threatening, too, while also just being sweet and precious. Uh, Kieran as Yota. Not a name I'm familiar with. Not a name I've ever heard of. No, first time hearing him. Really made a good impression on me as he went along, being the cool action guy, the dorky sleaze guy. Uh, yeah, no. Kieran does a really good job, and yeah, all the good lines about him being like, Yo, Claire Bear, and... Oh, wait, uh, God, hang on. What, what was the other thing that he said when they're trying to introduce each other? I know you wrote it down in the chat. Uh, no, I'm gonna find it. Uh, it's like, okay, yeah, no, uh, that's our boss, Sayaka. And she loves ladies. I'm like, oh, okay, I appreciate... I appreciate the fact that he is, he is a fuckboy, but as soon as he, he found out the boss lady played for the other team, he's like, okay, cool. He doesn't... He... he he respects her enough that he's not going to fucking like skeeve on her. He know he knows that she that she has her priorities elsewhere. So he's like, okay, cool. Anyways, pleasure to. Pl he knows this clam bake is closed. Yes. But yeah, no, Kieran does a good job. Uh, Shahiro, I'm really, really, really. Every time I keep hearing Michelle's work, like I keep continuing to be impressed with Michelle's work. She has very different performances in all the things I've heard her lately. Uh, Toki, she sounds very different as Toki. She sounds very different as Katarina in Arte. And she does also sound very different as Chihiro. She is precious sweet cinnamon roll. Too good for this earth. Also, her screams are fucking terrifyingly monstrous and insane. I love, I love Chihiro. They are fantastic. They are cool. They are insanely fucking epic. Like, I appreciate the non-binary gem fusion that is these two. <laughs> uh, but God bless. Michelle Marie. Now put him in Super Smash Brawl. Yes. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Chihiro, uh, really, really great job. Lindsay Shepard. Lindsay Shepard as Sayaka really really compelling performance she is like intimidating she is sexy she is like really like also kind of like tragic too not only just the fact that like her pat her her whole backstory is fucked and it is tragic but also like yeah this death game sucks these people i brought into my team are monsters the i don't want to do this anymore I want out. This is terrible. I hate this. And just kind of dealing with the guilt and the trauma of the fact that they're kind of inadvertently killed a bunch of people and just kind of wants out of this game. I think Lindsay sells all the drama, all the heartache, all of, like the sexiness and just all of that. She just really, really gets all of lesbian Voorhees down perfectly. All right. 
Uh, yeah, this is. I think all these performances are great. Um, I think Karen does a good job as Tadanori, just being like you know the big scary guy who turns out is actually pretty cool once you get to know him. Assuming he doesn't want to squish you like a grape. Um, <laughs> they, David David does a lot of voices in his repertoire, and it's interesting to see him add shitty incel to that. You're good at it, you know. I, I wasn't expecting anything less, David. You're great. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Sarah, Sarah's a lot of fun as Miku as just being very like sullen and uh, you know sarcastic, but also you know she's she's got some heart to her. It's nice. Uh, Casey's really great as Isao. Um, uh, just what a sweet kid. Just wants to grow some plants. What a what a guy. Uh, I hope you feel better, dude. That's rough. Um, uh, Kieran's really a lot of fun as Yota. Just I, I agree with everyone said. Like he just does a good job of being like a, you know sort of a sleazy you know jerk who hits on people, but never he never crosses into being annoying for the audience, and I appreciate that. They, he plays that well. Uh, Michelle's just really adorable as Chihiro, who's so cute, and I'm glad she's okay. Uh, and Lindsay, I think, just bring she brings a lot of like just good like you know you can tell like ah oh, yeah Sayaka's the boss here. Like, she's very in charge. And she's not evil, but, like, she is going to, like, make it clear that, like, no, I'm I'm running this show and you need to respect she that. She is, in out. fact, girl boss. Well, not like that, but yeah. <laughs> we like her. Okay, fair enough. Anyways. Anyways, on to our last group of characters. Our leads! Oh, boy! Uh, we have here, we have Shuichi Kaguya. He's a very normal uh, high school student who turns into a big mascot costume sometimes, and he doesn't understand why. Uh, later we find out it's because another character we're talking about here, Elena, they used to be dating, they got involved in the death game, and then Elena wiped selected parts of his memory so he wouldn't remember that. This also includes horrifying things like the fact that his parents are dead, and he just doesn't realize His parents that, aren't just... exactly dead, they've been undone. Yeah, so he just wanders around his increasingly dusty house, not just not realizing that anything. Okay, is wrong. that it's that last pudding. that last episode where like Claire, who is basically the deranged like psycho top of the two, is legitimately horrified yeah. about the fact that he has dissociated so hard he does not know how bad his home looks. Was that scene freaked me the fuck out? Also, fun, fun fact, that is, that is, uh, I've, I've caught up with the manga in English. That is not something from the manga. That is a scene new to the really? anime. Really? Uh, doesn't surprise me. We don't, we, we don't know what the, de we don't know what the deal in the story with Shuichi's parents are, but, like, even if that's what happened in story, like, we have not hit that part in the manga yet. Like, that's, that's an anime only scene Interesting. right now. So, okay. Good job, good job, guys. I mean, I could have <laughs> fooled terrifying. me. However, uh, everything goes awry when he meets Claire Aoki. Uh, she goes to his school. She has a very domineering personality, and she wants to know why her sister apparently uh, burned her house down and killed her parents and also turns into a monster. So she figures she'll uh, hook up with this weirdo and get to the bottom of it mainly. Uh, and her sister, of course, is Elena, uh, who, well, we saw how things turned out for her <laughs> while she's on this particular path. It's a raw, it's a raw, no one in this story gets a good deal. It's just raw deals all the way Except down. Except Nana. Yeah, Nana's gonna come out of here alive. Good for her. Uh, also, like, El Elena turns into a big smoke monster as well. Nana, please run. It's fun. Nana, please. Anyways, uh, playing these characters, uh, Suichi is played by Rai McKeon, who you know for playing Rito Yuki in Two Love Rue, Magic Lin in Source of Stabber Orphan, and you can hear him currently as Udo in the final season of Attack on Titan. Claire is played by Brittany Karbaski, who you know as Eddie from Angels of Death, Kami... 
Utsushimi in My Hero Academia and Black Star in Soul Eater. And Elena is played by Morgan LeRae, who you know as Kari Makimura in City Hunter Shinjuku Private Eyes, Swell Rec in Listeners, and Yuko Ai in uh, Aoi in Nichijo, Our Ordinary Life. Megan, would you like to wrap us up for us? I was going to say, I don't think you can hear Rai's character in Attack on Titan anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, baked potatoes. Things that make Attack on Titan fans cry. Um, mm. uh, I'll start out with Elena, who is a lot of what I like in what made me fall in love with Morgan Loray as an actress. It's very quiet and very dramatic, but when it needs to be absolutely fucking feral, she nails it. At first, I thought she was a psycho Yandere, and I'm glad that she evolved into being something beyond that, and I actually feel that way about both of the sisters. Um, Because you genuinely feel for her. Like, she's doing all these awful things, because it's the only way she knows to prevent more awful things from happening. You get what I you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's the whole thing with uh, with uh, David Trenga's guy to, to prevent because somebody murdered. I must commit more murder. Except for that's not how moral math works. The only way to protect the Declaration of Independence is to it's steal, to the, steal Declaration the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Nicholas Cage has entered the death battle. Um, <laughs> Oh god! I'll be I'm going to steal the 100 coins. <laughs> I'm gonna steal. <laughs> I'm gonna steal the Holy Grail. It would. Too. At some point, Nicolas Cage is going to be a heroic spirit, and none of us are gonna handle it. <sighs> but what class would he be? Find out on the next Fade episode that Dub Talk does. Uh, but no, Morgan's portrayal of. Elena is something that is a person haunted by their pasts and she's trying and you she's such a nice person like you can tell that she never wanted this life like every she's nice she only goes psycho when Claire was inside Sunichi's body so I think she just doesn't want anybody macking on her man and understand it understandable when she's literally trying to prevent him from being undone from the universe. Um, Brittany Karbowski's Claire. Uh, this is some of my favorite Brittany Karbowski work. A lot of people really like this. And I actually thought that this would be a lot hornier, because I thought Claire would be a lot hornier of a character. But she's not. She's a very complicated person who's trying to deal with the death of her parents by her sister's hand. She's got to deal with a lot of things and being... She thinks that she is an empty person as much as Sunichi does. And I really love Britney's performance of carrying like this broken person who is clearly trying to appear stronger and smarter than she actually is because she knows that one second of weakness is where she's going to get her neck snapped. And she's dealing with a person who at the beginning of the show doesn't necessarily believe in his own strength. And I really want to give Rai a lot of credit. Uh, He sounded like he had been doing like action drama shows his entire life. Like there was never something that felt off-putting about his his performance as Shinichi. A lot of people I've known has called Shinichi whiny, a whiny character, a bitchy character. Probably because they don't realize that, hey, being traumatized makes you sad. 
Um, and he's got to play this thing where he's he is so integral to the loop of the plot loop of knowing what the fuck is going on because it involves him so much, but he is locked so far out of it that he can't even see it right. And he's got to play this level of horny, dumb teenager and sad boy. And, like, he's not horny, dumb, like, cameraman. It's it's that he's such a multifaceted character, and he's got this strange power that only works when he needs to protect others, but he's so much of a coward. And Rai really does get that tremendous performance. And he's an actor that I think we've known as, as Dub Talks a little while, because we've met him at cons so many times. Yeah, we have. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. But, like, I... It felt... Effort, his performance in this felt effortless. And that's a lot to say for a show that, like Gleipnir, that is incredibly horny and incredibly twisted, but it's not in the way that's off... It, it, it's off-putting to viewers, but if you're willing to realize that it's being horny for a reason and not horny for the sake of her her make pee-pee big... The horniness feels like it blends with the vibe of the show instead of like taking you it's, out of it. It's sex and it's sex and violence that honestly, like, I never felt like the sex and violence in the show got super gratuitous. And that's saying something because everybody told me that Gleepner was the horny show. Uh anyway, I really I adore the the three core of this cast, and I think of all the people, I know Brittany Karbowski gets a ton of praise. And, like, at this point, like, Brittany Karbowski turning in a bad performance is, like, once in a blue moon. But to me, I think Rai is the one who really anchored the show. Mm. I think that his performance as Sumichi enables the rest of the show because while he has to get wild, he also has to react to a lot of these wild personalities around him. And for an actor that I think that Yes, he's had leads in other places. He's obviously the lead in To Love Brew. He was one of the leads, I think, in This Boy Suffers from Crystallization. But for being in a show like this, that is a, much, a, a very dark and horny show that isn't going to appeal to the main masses. And obviously, To Love Brew is obviously very horny, but it's horny comedy. And that, I think, is a lot easier for people to sit up and eat down like it's it's sugar. And this is more or less you're going... It's the difference between eating one slice of cake and Gleipner is like that scene in Matilda where the kid's being made to eat the oh. cake. <laughs> That's not a comparison I'd make, but I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, the... the um, yeah, horny is not the word I would use for this either. Um, although I, I will disagree a little bit on um, the gratuit on you saying that it's not as gratuitous, I felt it's like not as gratuitous watch- as I thought it was going to be. Oh, okay, that okay, that's fair enough. Um, but because as I was watching this and I was writing my notes on it, I really liked the uh, the visual direction of this show. Um, there, there's a lot in here that we can talk about in final thoughts, but it just it felt and looked a lot different than the standard uh, what I was expecting out of it. And then the, the the sexier elements, the I gotta you know get down to my underwear to climb inside of you, or the camera angle panning over girls at like ass level, uh, that just felt a little more tacked on than I guess I was expecting from this story. Uh, like it, it felt like the thing was the biggest compromise when it came to making this accessible to their target demographic. 
But when it comes to the actual acting itself, um, Rai is really, um, it's so sad because as the show started, the very first episode, the thing I wrote down is, oh, he's so nice, dot, dot, dot. What's going to go wrong? Question mark, exclamation <laughs> point. Oh, boy, it does it. I, I we, we, we knew from the get-go it wasn't going to go well. Um, but the thing is that, and I'm glad that, Megan, you brought up the thing that uh, people think Shuichi is whiny, because we've heard whiny shonen protagonists before, ones who are just, are uh, kind of carried around the show by other people's goodwill. And the thing about Rai is that he understands that this is a character who would not willingly choose to be in this based on their regular personality, um, but because they are in it now and it's too late, they they do man up to stay alive in it. They stick to their convictions of protecting other people while still uh, protecting themselves when their lives is in danger. Uh, that whole scene where they're fighting against God, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, sword hand guy. Um, they come. He comes up with a strategy to that will actually help them survive this because they know they can't beat him on pure strength alone. And Rai. Uh, vocalizes that portion of it without coming across as too tough, too kick-ass. He's still just, again, an overwhelmed teenage boy. So, yeah, Rai definitely, I, I need to hear him in more stuff because he's definitely taken that helm of um, good standout male protagonist without being uh, kickable. You know, you, you don't dislike the character at all. And I think a good chunk of it is because Rai just makes him that likable. The, uh, the, part that really surprised me was actually Brittany Karbowski as Claire. Uh, not because I didn't think that she could do a role like this. Um, if you just watched the last Pine Jam show, Gamers, you know that she can do um, very over-the-top uh, acting. But again, oh, that was God, a yeah, that was you're right. Last. Yep, she was Tendo in uh, Gamers. So, uh, But hearing her here, she did a voice that I'm sure she's done before, but I don't think I've heard it, at least on a leading role. And that was this uh, absolutely, uh, it was lower toned, very conniving, badass girl. It's just not what I pegged Brit Britney for. Like, I, I think of her as, um, you know, she's in Show by Rock, or she's in Canon, or she's in School Live, and she's always the, the chipper, peppy, upbeat person with a, like, a high-pitched voice that makes you want to smear honey on your ears. Um, and we don't get that here. We get something very different. I would really like to know what like the audition process was like because uh, I, I want to know like how did Britney blow away everyone else who could do this kind of voice and absolutely blow them out of the water because it was the perfect casting choice on this. The thing about Claire uh, throughout the whole thing is that uh, she modulates pretty heavily between soft and angry voice, and she's got all those flavors in between that make her a really fun voice to listen to. Like, Brittany gets her um, soft and meditative moments when she's thinking, how are we going to escape from these guys? She gets the absolutely nutters vocal performances when she's going up against characters who are ten times stronger than them. And she even gets to be a little coy, too, when she says, so how about this? We go see the movie, and then afterwards, we go back to your place and bone. Might have been a dog joke, but more than anything else, it was just fun to listen to Britney make silly jokes like that. But anyways, uh, Britney did a really good job. But um, now Megan said that Rai uh, was the anchor for this show uh, as far as the vocal performance, and he was on the emotional level. But the one that I think 
The one who I think did it the best was Morgan LeRae as Elena. And that is because in her first appearance, she goes through about three major character shifts in about five minutes. She goes with an emotional confession when she is like very um, uh, sorry about uh, the situation that she's gotten Suichi into. Then she has a monstrous freak out when she realizes that there's somebody inside of him and she literally rips his head off. It's not very often we get to say that literally. And then afterwards, there's a dime flip right after that into this sentimental heartbreak of just absolute heart crushing emotions because she's the only one who knows what's going on. She's the only one with her memory still intact as to why puppy dog boy turns into human costume that looks like the characters from that Disney show on Disney Plus. So yeah, Morgan's entire handling of that is very impressive and I gotta, I gotta give that the highest props I could for a performance. Andrew? Alrighty, so... Before Andrew starts, I want to ask him a question. Yes, Megan? Do you want to know who plays Claire in the Japanese version of Gleitner? Uh, who does, in fact, play Claire in the Japanese version of... Her name is now... Now Tomoya. Tomoya. Oh my god, Rin? Rin? <laughs> yes, from, uh, Winback Camp. Yep. Oh my fucking god! That. By the way, yes, I know that. I know that Suichi in Japanese is Natsuki Hayane. That's why I checked the show out in the first place. I was gonna say, I figured you must have known that Suichi is Natsuki Hayane. Okay, cool. Of course, I, of course. Why would I? Why would I? I not. Also, Elena is apparently Kanahanazawa. Yeah, that checks out. Okay, so starting off, I'm going to say. Um, I'll start with Rai on this one. Rai is definitely proving to be a person to watch in the voice acting sphere. Because he's done a couple of pretty fun, entertaining roles. But I definitely feel like of what I've seen and what I'm aware of him being cast in, uh, Shuichi is definitely a very complicated one. Because he goes from very much being... He goes from being soft boy tragic backstory didn't mean to get into this to i am the one who knocks <laughs> he goes from being the one who is thrust into danger to literally going i am the danger i like his way of reloading the gun is to literally bite out the bullets oh that was make them <laughs> oh that was fucking metal i like that too that was that was great um but no rye has a very great like emotional resonance to him where he sounds soft sweet sad tragically like traumatized but also violently feral angry monstrous like the entirety of Shuhiro is you hear not only Michelle's uh, angry, feral monster screams, but you also hear a lot of Rise in there too, and Rise sells the anger, the violence, the hatred. Like, oh god. Rai gets all the, like, edgy shonen stuff in there hard. He gets the drama, the tragedy, and all of that. Good on you, Rai. Brittany Karbowski, she's a legend. She's iconic. Like, at this point, you're right. It's hard to find bad Brittany Karbowski performances. But holy shit. Claire is sexy. Claire is deranged, unhinged, frightening, 
tragic, complicated, everything in between. She has some fantastic chemistry and some stupendous delivery. She can make me laugh, she can make me creeped out, she can make me uncomfortable, she can make me uncomfortably... Claire Aoki is uncomfortably horny at times, and it works. It works really, really well. God, Brittany really sells a lot of the drama, the funny and tragic sides of Claire as well. And Elena Aoki. So, so before I, before I go more to Morgan Loray, I'm just gonna say Morgan Loray is fantastic. She's got, as you as it was said, several different sides to her figuring out what her character is. And I spent a lot of the show trying to figure out what her character is. Is she an out? Is she another protagonist? Is she the villain? Is she the final boss? Is she a passive like supporter? Is she good? Is she bad? And then it dawned on me as we were we were prepping up to record. I realized exactly what Elena Alki is. Elena is a Virgil. To explain what a Virgil is, Virgil... This is what you were talking about got with, aren't is Yes. It? This is what I was talking about with our buddy Got, Got MLK7. Very great dude. Wonderful dude. Wonderful, uh, girls love comic, love and be love on Webtoon. I'm chilling out for you, buddy, because I'm using your meme template for this. So a Virgil is basically the rival of... He's... The Virgil is basically... The opposite of the protagonists. They are kind of like their yin to their yang, so to speak. There are a lot of characters that could be Virgils, but let's look at this now and decide, is Elena the Virgil to Claire's Dante? Are they a Virgil? Here's the template of what we got. We have 10 boxes to checkmark. Rival, recurring fight, family member, Morally ambiguous, better than you, contrasting personality, color contrast, similar play style, penultimate or final boss, and playable. So, since this is an anime, we can take off slimmer, similar play style, penultimate, final boss, and playable. But there are still seven boxes. Is Elena the rival? Yes. Recurring fights. There are several fights and encounters with Elena throughout the series and probably even more in the manga. Checked. Family member. Quite literally her sister. Check. Morally ambiguous. Boy fucking howdy is she ever. Contrasting personality. This bitch got personality for days. She's already contrasting. Color contrast. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's got the color contrast. She is literally darker color palette to Claire's brighter color palette. And this, okay, this one's one I have to argue with the, with the masses. Better than you. Would you say that yes. Elena is in fact better than Claire? Okay. Yes. So, going off- Sorry, Claire! I want your sister to win! Oh boy. So you actually think Elena deserves Shuichi more. She had him first. Oh boy. Okay. So, thanks. First dibs. So, with this wonderful, are they a Virgil 
are they a Virgil template? She cannot be an S, a double S, or a triple S because this is a anime and not a video game. But she is a rank A Virgil candidate. Seven out of ten boxes are fulfilled for Elena Aoki as far as the Virgil. I'm sorry, you've got the ca a case of the Virgils. I'm sorry, Elena. You are indeed the Virgil of Glepnir. Con it's terminal. It's terminal. It's terminal. Congratulations. <laughs> Andrew, tell us about the performances. We've been here for almost three hours. Holy sh- It's 11.30, oh, dude. I need to be out of here soon. Anyways, Morgan LeRae. She- well, then wrap She's it very up. good. <laughs> she's very good. She's got all the complex personalities that Elena needs. She's great. She's fantastic. She made me feel for her. She made me scared. She made me frightened. She also made me feel for her. Morgan is good. I just, I'm literally still here because I really wanted to get the virtual bit done. I've been planning this the entire night. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, these are good performances. Um, I think Morgan does a lot of, Elena is a much more complicated character than she seems at first. And I think Morgan does a really good job of capturing that, especially her like, the tragic aspects of it. I, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, I think Rai does a very very good job of Suichi, who also is a lot more complicated than he seems. Like, I, I remember reading some reviews, I think, kind of, like, about midway through the show airing, that were kind of about how he's very purposely, like, you know, he doesn't have a lot of character to him, and that is sort of true, but I think the thing that kind of bears out over the long term is that he is also but he also has a lot more depth to him than it seems like and i think i think rai does a really good job of capturing his character and making him feel important and, and interesting and, and like something you want to follow around uh and britney is just great like i i agree like i think she is absolutely perfect as claire i can only assume that she she got this role for everyone else just because uh, the director was like yeah how much rasp can you put in your voice oh how much oh yeah you're getting hired <laughs> uh yeah, she's, she's a delight. I'm really happy with this cast. I really hope we get a season two because I really want to hear all these people say more of this. Uh, let us move on to final thoughts. Uh, Megan? Uh, yeah. So, this show was great. I am desperately wanting a second season now. Funimation, daddy, please whip out your wallets. Please co-pro more of this. This was the good type of, this is the good type of horny. Uh, what was the gift that you put in the chat? It's a... oh, it's from uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, where Zuko's. Yep. That's it. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> and he's just trying to find the rest of it. Uh, I need the. I need this. I need. I need. I need more. Uh, so, very good. Awesome. Have a great time. Uh, but I really do want to shout out sound uh, Amber's direction in Leah's writing, as well as Sound Cadence's efforts in this. This dub came out great. You would have never known that this was recorded at home it mm -hmm. sounded fantastic the mix was great um she was just absolutely awesome it was absolutely awesome uh definitely would definitely tell people to get this one to check out um or and stuff and i would definitely i actually have plans on pre-ordering this and i'm kind of hoping it gets a nice uh a nice limited edition Ellie. because it's it's a co-pro mm. so that's my feelings No. So, um, I was uh, impressed by the dub for this um, because it met all the expectations I had for a professional Funimation dub with the material that it was given 
I was very surprised that um, the cast um, did not make it as goofy or as um, schmaltzy as they easily could have. Um, now, I understand that Funimation has um, a vetted, vetted interest in making each dub uh, the same level of quality as every other one, even if the show itself may not entirely deserve it. There have definitely been some uh, C-tier anime that have gotten A-grade dubs. Um, and so we're very fortunate that they did so the same for Gleepmere as well, because I do think this is an A-tier show itself. Um, not just because I love blood and violence, but I mean, obviously I do. I mean, I, that one scene where... They just uh, took Suichi and Chihiro, and you could, like, actually see their stuff all bloody enough stuff. I was like, wow, that's not getting broadcast on Toonami anytime soon. The goopy but bits. the reason that... Yes, the goopy bits are not getting shown. Um, but um, the thing I want to really point out as we wrap this up is that uh, Pine Jam is seems like a really troubled studio when it comes to uh, managing their finances, but they have a really unique way of actually... Uh, animating the facial expressions of their characters. It actually uh, breaks from the stock facial expressions that you would get. It's like, I can see variations on the facial expressions from the same standard uh, surprised, happy, sad faces that you would traditionally get. So I, I want to really commend Pine Jam for uh, making it fun to watch this show. Like, you really can appreciate the craft of animation when watching this particular production. And thankfully, all the dub actors helped match those facial expressions with their range of acting as well. So yes, Amber did an amazing job in the direction. Lee, uh, Leah Clark, every time she gets to write on something where she gets to make quips, I am all there for that. This is just like with um, uh, Toilet Bound Hanaka-kun, uh, which I also called out as being a show where I'm not even writing down like uh, criticism of the writing. I'm just writing down my favorite lines at this point. So yeah, definitely check this out and definitely bug all the people who can make the difference to make second season. No, no. Before we go on, I just want. What do you think schmaltz means? Schmaltzy is like. Um, yeah. Schmaltzy means sentimental. Yeah. It's... Are you looking for schlock? I just repeated what Andrew said. I didn't. Yeah, I think Andrew. Wait, I don't too. even remember saying that. Look, Eddie, you know, I probably did. Andrew, what, what do you what do you think? What do you think of this, Andrew? What do you think of this dub? You know what? I will say the show is a little schlocky, but I will also say it is very like this feels like the kind of thing I wouldn't like. But it was actually a lot more fun, interesting, creative, and better written than I anticipated it would be. I enjoyed it. It was very interesting for sure. The dub itself definitely elevated a lot of this for me. The cast is strong, the deliveries are solid, and boy, the script is fucking great. It's got some bangers in there. It's just delightful. This was a this was a very entertaining show, and I continue to be really impressed with Sound Cadence's output as a studio for strong quality dub productions that are also quite ambitious in their scope of who they bring on to work on them. Uh, kudos all around to Sound Cadence. They really, um, they really, what? They really, they really, okay. They really zip this one shut. Ah, oh, God, no, that, that one's lame. Um, no. 
No, no, your pun privilege no, has been revoked. No, no, wait, sorry. wait. They did not screw the pooch. No. They did not screw the pooch. Good. Got it. Great. All right, fine. Thank you. Get you. That I'm one. done. Uh, yeah, no, this this dub is a delight. I was looking forward to the show when it got announced. I was kind of surprised it got a, got a show to begin with, if I'm being honest. Um, this feels too weird for TV, but hey. Um, but the show ended up being really good, and the dub's really fantastic. I think it's really well executed on all fronts. I'm really happy with it. I hope we do get that season two. And I hope everyone's able to come back and make that one just God, as good as the this. ending of the show is well, bad. I mean, it's, it's only bad if we don't get a season two. If it two. doesn't get a season two, then it's garbage. A having, having, having. Having, having read the manga, this is about the only place they could have ended it without having to go, like, basically make All your right, own ending. fair. So, consider that. Anyways, um, if you'd like to watch this, uh, you can watch it on Funimation's website. Uh, they have a 14-day free trial, so you can check it out if you don't already have a subscription. Uh, if you'd like to listen to more of us, uh, we're DubTalk. We are on DubTalk Podcast and all your major platforms, your Twitters, your YouTubes, what have you. Um, if you also, if you, you can listen to us on YouTube, which you probably are now, if you prefer the audio-only thing, we are also on Podbean, so check us out there. Uh, we also have a Patreon and a Ko-fi. If you sub to our Patreon, uh, at a certain level, you can get your name read out on the episode. So we'd like to thank our $5, uh, tier members, Megan's mom and dad. Hi, mom. Hi, thank dad. mom and dad. Uh, Michelle Travis. Miraculous Corazon. Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. Uh, Sue Twe Twet. Buddy, tweet. I apologize if I mispronounce your name, Sue, but thank you. And uh, Victor, Victor Mayboroda. And our $10 tier, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Uh, Megan, where can people find you on the internet? Follow me at Queener2 at shitpost. Noah. You can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue, where I like to discuss all the world of animation and post pictures of my children, because when you have children... You get to post them. Uh, Hi, my name is Andrew, aka Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000. As far as my other things I do, I'm a moderator for the uh, Funimation Discord, and I am also a member of Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, po a podcast where we talk about anime news and updates with, with alongside a fellow uh dub talk podcast co-host jet sorry i'm a little tired this is also probably going to be my last recording of any kinds of podcast for like a good month or so because a lot of big life changes of the good variety are happening and i need to clear my plate to get that stuff done congratulations indeed uh, and you can find me on uh, amonduel.us on twitter i talk about a lot of things but i like talking about music and i have a song for you tonight uh, my, my original pick was going to be the song uh, Nasty Gal by Betty Davis, who is um, Miles Davis's ex-wife, who he apparently was mildly terrified of, because that's who Betty Davis is. Uh, she's great, go check her out. However, uh, prior to us, I'll be honest, the bad touch by the Bloodhound Gang had not occurred to me for this. That's really the correct choice, so let's make that the other choice for this episode. Uh, also, if you finish if the you're show, you get your Gleipnir. If you are Sorry, like yeah. any of our ages, there is a chance that you know every fucking word to the Bloodhound Gang's that song. Can I tell you the? Can I make a very very quick story about that song? Let me let me let me finish the thing okay. first. Hold on. 
if you need your Gleipnir fix and you've already finished the show, the manga is being published in the United States by Kodansha Comics. There are eight volumes out now. Nine, I believe, is supposed to come out, I think, in April. And I believe ten is currently slated for September. So go check that out. All right. Can I tell you quick... You're saying, Megan? So I want to tell a quick story about the song, uh, that song with what had being. It's uh, bad... Mm -hmm. Is it Bad Touch, is it called? Yeah, yeah. The Bad okay. Touch. Yeah. So, I once was in the car in upstate New York with my uncle, his partner, and my mom. And, or no, like, my uncle, my mom, and me were in one car. And my dad, my uncle's partner, and my other uncle, uh, who is, in a, who's wheelchair bound, were in another. So, I'm in the car, and I guess my uncle had a CD on, which is just, like, their mixtape at the time. This was, like, probably eight or nine years ago. And it was full of things, and eventually, uh, this song comes on. And I look at my uncle and just put the biggest shit-eating grin on my face. Because I know, at the, I was like 16 or 17, and I knew every fucking word of Bad Touch at 16. I appreciate oh. your input. Alrighty. <laughs> uh, anyways, and with that, good night, good folks. Uh, have fun. Watch out for Good night, everybody. <laughs> Otaku on. And make sure to ask consent before you pet the puppy. Rock on Boston. Rock on Chicago. Aloha. Bow, wow, wow. Help with the national coin shortage. <laughs>